For episode three of the podcast, I was decided to talk about players that I've seen over many years of supporting the Daggers. And uh, believe you me, there's been quite a few, good and bad. Now, as we all probably know, Dagenham uh, formed in 1949 uh, until 1992 when the present club uh, came into fruition uh, when the merger happened and we became Dagenham and Redbridge. So I thought it might be sort of vaguely interesting if I picked uh, a team to represent Dagenham from those players and a team to represent Dagenham and Redbridge. So it's a game that can never happen but might be fun if it could and it would be Dagenham versus Dagenham and Redbridge. Now, anyone who uh, has a fantasy football league team knows that generally you're allowed to pick a squad uh, and uh, 15 players usually, and on any given match day, you can pick 11 of them in various formations and you can change it around depending on who's available, who's fit, and that sort of thing. So I'm going to use the same licence and pick 15 players. So that means I can pick two goalkeepers, five defenders, five midfielders, and three forwards. So that's the lineup I'm going to go with. Uh, and I'm going to start by going through Dagenham and Redbridge, uh, starting with goalkeepers. Now, we're quite blessed actually, going right the way back, we've had uh, some very good ones, in fact, some great ones. Uh, I suppose it's obvious that any team that wants to be successful needs to have a good spine and therefore a good goalkeeper. And uh, we've certainly been, over a period of time, blessed. Uh, in that department. So just a few names to throw into the mix. Uh, I'm not going to um, necessarily talk about any of them in chronological order, just as they, they come to mind. Uh, now, this will apply to all the different uh, forwards, midfielders, defenders, etc. Uh, I'm probably going to miss out somebody who's completely obvious uh, and didn't come to mind for some reason. Uh, you'll just have to run with that because I'm doing this mainly from just my memory, uh, but hopefully I'll still come up with people that will make you think, oh yes, they were a pretty much a good player, I remember them. So as I say, starting with the goalkeepers, uh, I'm going to go, first one I'm going to go with is Paul Newell, a goalkeeper who, uh, compared to some others, didn't actually play very long for us. Started in the season that we won the Ryman League, uh, the 1999 period, uh, and pretty much only played for the uh, best part of the season. Uh, but um, obviously won a league winner's medal with us, uh, which was uh, which was quite good and a bit unlucky to be replaced uh, the following season by Tony Roberts. Uh, now anyone who knows anything about the Daggers and anything about football, especially at this moment in time when the Euros are going on, uh, will know the name Tony Roberts. Uh, apart from uh, all the time he spent with the Daggers, uh, he's currently the Wales official goalkeeping coach. And uh, if you've been watching the Wales games on television at the moment, uh, you've been seeing quite a lot of him in the uh, in the broadcasts. So he's still involved at the top level of the game. But the time spent he with Dagger, he spent with the Daggers was um, just memorable for, for Daggers fans, certainly. Uh, now, he had played league football for Queen's Park Rangers and uh, Millwall. Uh, he was a full Welsh international. Um, I think he only had one cap, but he was a full Welsh international. And he actually had to retire from league football when he damaged a, a finger. Uh, so he was unable to carry on playing, uh, received an insurance payout. But uh, as you can tell from just if anyone who ever watched him play, he obviously loved the game, loved, I should think, the banter, loved 
demonstrating his skills and was determined to play on. So the insurance payout would have stopped him uh, continuing in the in the professional game, but it enabled him to play in the non-league game with, with no comeback. And he spent the season um, with St Albans. In fact, the year that we uh, won the league, uh, St Albans were uh, pretty much our main rivals uh, for some of the time. Uh, and he played, uh, he played that season for them. And the following season, he signed for us. And what a signing he turned out to be. Played for us for a number of years. Uh, he, he was so good around the club for team spirit, for engaging with the crowd, everything like that, that uh, he was just absolutely the perfect goalkeeper to have. Then when we won uh, the conference and got a chance to go back in the league, uh, there was a chance that he might um, be prevented from uh, playing for us back in the professional uh, league game because of the insurance payout that I mentioned. Uh, but uh, they come to some arrangement where he paid back the claim or part of it, I would imagine, and he was enabled us to carry on playing, and he ended up playing for us till um, he was probably about 40. And uh, if you remember when we played at Wembley in the playoff final, uh, he was featured on television quite a lot, particularly after uh, going uh, celebrating, carrying a large Wales flag. And right at the end, when we were being bombarded, uh, he was um, standing firm. He kept on coming out and punching punching the ball out and we had time we were under pressure out he came again punching it away he was just a fantastic goalkeeper um, the engagement with the fans was one of the best bits about him I remember our first game in League One at Sheffield Wednesday uh, they were giving him terrible stick in a good natured way about his uh, rather portly size uh, and he just played up to it and was rolling pulling his shirt up rolling his tummy the crowd loved it and he Wherever he went, if he if he got a bit of stick from the crowd, he'd always get them back on the side. So uh, Tony Roberts was uh, just a fantastic goalkeeper and clubman to have around. Uh, Paul Gothard, he represented us uh, around about the mid to late 90s, played for us in the trophy final at Wembley. Another absolutely marvellous goalkeeper. He, While he was with us, he obtained uh, England non-league uh, international honours and performed right at, the, right at the top of his game, a spectacular uh, big chap, got around, died, saved, good shot stopper. Uh, he's again still involved in the game. He um, emigrated to New Zealand uh, sometime more than a while ago and carried on playing while he was out there, then represented, then the coached, goalkeeping coach in the, uh, in, the, in the New Zealand Professional League. And I believe he's now the goalkeeping coach, or he's still the goalkeeping coach for the full national side. You occasionally see him on social media uh, tweeting something about Dagenham or just uh, some of the group of players getting involved that he played with at the time. So again, he was a very good, uh, loyal club man. He really only left us, I suspect. He went to Hayes because at the time they were in the conference and we weren't. And I think he probably wanted to um, protect his, um, his status as the England non-league goalkeeper. Or at least that's what I like to think. I remember we played Hayes in the conference when, we, um, when we'd gone back to it and uh, he got a very good reception from the Dagenham fans and it was well deserved. The year we got to uh, <clears throat> Wembley in the trophy, he was definitely one of the stars of, of that team along with some of the other defenders that performed the, the spine of that team. And I remember at uh, Wembley, he was presented with an award by none other than Pele. That must be quite a nice picture for his scrapbook, shaking hands on the Wembley pitch with with Pele. Uh, one of the uh, later goalkeepers, we had Mark Cousins. Um, now, Mark um, played for us for a few years. Uh, he was a very good shot stopper. Um, he left us around about the time of the Glyn Hopkins fiasco. 
uh, ended up at uh, Barnet and then subsequently has played for Bromley and is still performing at the highest level. <clears throat> He's a very good shot stopper, Mark. Some of his kicking at the time seemed a bit wayward. He used to kick it out quite a lot on the full. But um, as John Steele was the manager, I think he used to favour booting in the corners. So I suspect that was at least partly due to the, the that particular tactic. But Mark was a, a very good goalkeeper. I think a bit underrated as well at Dagenham to some extent, because he certainly never let us down. Our first keeper when we um, when we had a merge side uh, was John McKenna. And John was a, a left-footed keeper, a very good standard, had played for some top teams. Uh, he was based up north in Liverpool. And at the time, we had a lot of players from all over the country. And I think that was when the merger time, we had a little bit of cash. So we were able to get quite a good nucleus of the top players of the day to come and play for us, even though they didn't necessarily live locally. Uh, and John was one of those. He was our goalkeeper in our, in our, our return to the conferences, Dagenham and Redbridge. I think in the first game, or maybe in the first away game, but maybe actually been the first game at Merthyr Tidville, he actually got sent off. Uh, came out at, uh, and dived at someone's feet and got the ball and the conditions were so wet and slimy he just carried on going and slalomed straight out the area still holding the ball and the ref uh, showed a, a lot of common sense and sent him off uh, he was a good goalkeeper John again non-league international uh, in fact if you remember uh, going back when we got to the final of the trophy in 97 in the quarter final we played Ashton United at home. We, we won 1 0 with a pretty much last minute goal from Tony Rogers. And the goalkeeper that day on the other side was uh, John McKenna. So that was uh, quite good to see him, quite good to see him back. Uh, but again, a good goalkeeper that served us well. Chris Lewington, a young goalkeeper, took over post um, Tony Roberts era. Uh, came in, I think, maybe from Leatherhead. I'm not quite sure of that. Um, he was quite small, quite, quite slight. So I never thought. He, he quite had the presence that um, uh, some of our other goalkeepers had. But again, a good shot stopper. And and uh, he, he developed and grew as time spent with us. Um, he, eventually, he eventually left and moved on. Uh, so, since then, played for quite a few non-league teams, uh, particularly in the Kent area, Margate. He played for, I think, Maidstone uh, and a few others. Played a bit in the league. Uh, I think he went uh, part-time to some extent um, to become a teacher. I think he still follows that trade now, though he's still playing uh, a bit part-time. Uh, our current goalkeeper, Elliot Justin, has been with the club for about five years now and just, in fact, this week was given a, a new contract, a three-year contract, uh, which uh, you'd have to say is richly deserved. He is definitely one of the best, if not the best, keepers in the conference uh, currently um he's a great shot stopper he's he sometimes surprises anybody with an absolute world of a save that you think he's beaten i think he's got a pretty good record or he seems to have in my mind of saving penalties uh good with his feet very com very comfortable with the ball at his feet and can kick it long or short and play it straight off the deck uh, and i personally wouldn't want to change him for any um from any other keeper that uh, you currently see playing in the league and every time there's a discussion about that he's always right up there so he's definitely contracted to the Dagos till 2024 so I'd say we're definitely in safe hands for the foreseeable future. So there are a few of the, the keepers that uh, came to mind. I think it's reasonable to uh, give honourable mentions to a few others. Dave Hogan, he spent many years with us with, with hardly playing. Uh, he was always featured in um, squads and training sessions and you'd see him warming up and everything and though 
he could hardly be said to have had a, a um, <laughs> appearance-wise, a good career with the Dagenham. I understand that uh, around the training ground, etc., and the team, he was absolutely excellent, and just what was needed as, as a backup and support uh, uh, keepers. Uh, so Dave Hogan definitely worth a mention for odd reasons. Ed Thompson again didn't hardly play. Uh, I feel I should lob him in because uh, the chap who cuts my hair also cuts his dad's hair. So I thought it was worth mentioning him. Paul Bastock. Now interesting one. We played uh, we played him once or maybe twice when we were we absolutely had no keepers uh, due to suspension or injury or whatever reason, and we needed someone as an emergency. Uh, we had an FA Cup tie, and uh, John Steele decided that he'd draft him in, uh, especially to play. Now, I suspect at the time we weren't exactly uh, flush with money, so I would imagine that we wanted to try and make sure we got through the FA Cup tie uh, to get the, the money for winning that particular round and the potential for any other future rounds. So though you could understand the thinking, if you remember that Paul Bastock was the goalkeeper for Boston United, during the Boston Gate period of the, the club's history and what they actually did to the club. Uh, there was a little bit of contention about should he or should he not play. So he only played one or maybe two games for the club. Uh, but uh, I just thought of that interesting stat. It was worth just mentioning him. Uh, suffice to say, he won't be in the team of the century, as far as I'm concerned. And finally, Mark Keane. Now, Mark Keane was a big centre-half. Um, uh, Played at the back for us around about uh, the, t the early 2000s. Uh, so you might ask, what's he doing in the goalkeeper section? Well, the year we won the Ryman League, uh, the game that uh, clinched the title was a 3-2 win at Hampton in about April sometime. Uh, and because of the result in the Aldershot-Enfield game, it meant that a win there won us the league. And we finished that game with nine men. Uh, Dominic Naylor got sent off. But in the first half, the goalkeeper, Paul Newell, was actually sent off. And Mark Keane, uh, because there wasn't a substitute goalkeeper available, spent the rest of the game in goal uh, and did actually manfully. And we actually, as I say, we won the game and therefore the league. So I think it's worth mentioning Mark Keane, any the greatest uh, goalkeepers that we've ever had. So they're the goalkeepers I'm going to pick from. I'm, that means I'm going to be picking two. Uh, I shall leave who I pick till the end of this segment. Now, moving on to midfielders, uh, there's a lot of choice here. There's been a lot of very good players that have played for us. So I'm going to run through a few that came to mind. I'm going to start with Anwar Udin. And Anwar led us to the uh, conference title and was still with us when we played at uh, Wembley in the playoff final. He was a fantastic club man, let alone being a good player. Uh, John Still had brought him to the club, I think from Bristol Rovers, uh, and he led that conference uh, winning team. Uh, and when I say team, that really was a team. And I think the way that was all bonded and built together was partly in the way that Anwar led them. He's, uh, he still speaks very fondly of the club now when you see him. Uh, I think he's currently the Aldershot assistant manager, but he also does work around uh, diversity and that type of thing. And he's often uh, shown up as an example of how, how things ought to be. And when, in fact, uh, he led us, uh, he was the first Asian, cap uh, Asian chap that had... Um, led a team in the Football League, I think that's right in saying, and that was a well-deserved honour because he was a fantastic uh, club man. Also, I remember he once scored a 45-yard thunderbolt uh, some game, kicking it in down at the um, Pomfield Road end, just smashed it as just about as hard as you could see. 
someone will probably remember who that was against, but I don't remember the game, but I do remember the ball was going at quite a heavy speed. Mark Arbour, another defender that played for us, was captain during the playoff uh, final at Wembley. Um, I think he was a bit possibly underrated in some respects by Dagenham fans, even though he was obviously a fantastic player and a great captain. Again, he'd had a football league career with uh, Peterborough, I think, and Barnet, and it was a former Tottenham youth. And I think we were probably lucky to get him when we originally did. And I think I suspect it probably came about because his dad was um, a colleague, former playing colleague of Mark's dad. Mark's dad being Bobby Arbour, who played for Orient and had been involved at Tottenham, I think, in, in coaching capacities. Uh, I think Mark was actually a junior at Tottenham as well. Uh, and he ended up at Dagenham and he was a brilliant captain for us. And a couple of things I remember about Mark, he had that penalty, didn't he, where he used to take a penalty and he'd actually look away from the goal and when the ref blew the whistle, he'd suddenly turn round and just run forward and smash it. That was quite an unusual technique. Looks great, I suppose, if you, uh, if you score and not so good if you don't. But I remember in the playoff semi-final when we beat Morecambe at home, we got a penalty and... Uh, he did precisely that manoeuvre, and of course he didn't score, but fortunately Josh Scott saved his blushes and rammed home the rebound, so yeah, all part of our 6-0 win. The other thing I remember about Mark was he was quite cool, very confident in his own ability, cool under pressure, which is never a bad thing for a defender. And if you remember the playoff final at Wembley, the last few minutes were like, uh, like the Alamo, and we were completely under siege by Rotherham, and the ball was chucked right into the area, right in the six-yard box, and he had quite a few choices, try and clear it, uh, smash it off for a corner, or there's a good chance to sort of, it was a sort of ball where you could actually score an own goal quite easily. And he just actually just chested it down back to Tony Roberts, completely cool under pressure, took the sting right out of it. I remember that very well. Mark Harbour, a good player, and I think possibly underrated by Daggers fans. Timmy Cole, he was a good defender, could play centre-half or right-back, played midfield too. Uh, he played around the time we played Charlton and played in that game. Uh, before the game, there was quite a lot of um, uh, media attention on Timmy because he was working in Smithfield Meat Market and they had things like pictures of him holding a giant piece of meat saying what he was going to do to Charlton forwards. But it was all very tongue-in-cheek. But he was um, a teak-tough defender. Uh, also, again, popped up with the occasional goal and could play in midfield. So he was, he was a good man to have around the, the club. Lee Goodwin also played at that time. He could play right back, left back, centre half, midfield. So quite versatile. Uh, I remember his first season with the club. I think he played left back. I was out of contract uh, just when Gary Hill came came in to join the club. So that was about 1999. Uh, Lee Goodwin had joined us, I think, from West Ham. And I remember there was a fence for him. And some said, oh, who we signed? Are you going to sign Lee Goodwin on? He said, oh, I think I better give him a chance to see because I don't know much about him before I decide... I thought to myself, you only have to see him for a minute and you'll sign him. And he did sign him on and he proved to be a very loyal uh, club servant over a, a lot of years. It was only injuries that held him back, I think, from playing, obviously from playing more games, but also perhaps even playing at a higher level. Uh, particularly thinking that when we did actually go up uh, into the Football League after we, the year after we won the conference, Lee was still a, a contracted player or with the club. And he spent all year trying to get fit and not quite getting there. And the injury just kept on holding him back. But in the very last game of the season at home to Mansfield, uh, we were safe by then because we'd won the previous week at Darlington. In fact, I think Mansfield were doomed already as well. Um, 
he was able to come on as a sub in that game. He probably only played a relatively few minutes, and uh, he he was uh, he was struggling a bit. You could see, but he did at least get on and play, and so at least he could say to his grandchildren that he played in the professionally in the football league. Due to that, I always remember that. I thought that was a nice touch to let him get on the pitch. Uh, Scotty Doe joined us as a, a youngish player from, I think it might have been from Weymouth, via John Steele. Took a while to establish himself in the team. Had a few appearances in and out uh, at various times. I remember he played at right back at uh, Barnet and I think we lost 4-0. And whoever the Barnet uh, left winger was, he just totally ran him ragged. And you thought, and that boy, he's going he's gonna to struggle to play at this level. But he then played, that was just one game really, he then played at centre-half, gradually got more games and by long he was just, uh, he was undroppable really and served the daggers well over a long period of time. Took him quite a while to score, uh, Scotty though, but when he did he ended up getting quite a few and you'll remember his trademark goal or near goal was we'd get a corner and he'd come running in at the near post and get a near post header and uh, he scored quite a few like that. He was uh, he was definitely um, a player that took his time to find his feet, but then uh, but then actually became uh, a vital member of the side. Abu Agogu uh, could possibly put him down as a midfield as well, uh, but he came to us as a right back from but from Barnet. A friend of mine who's a Barnet fan, had, uh, I remember him said when he signed when we signed him, mm, not sure about that because he played a few games for Barnet <coughs> towards the end of the season, and he'd actually managed to get himself off. Uh, sent off at least once, maybe twice, and scored some own goals. Uh, something that always used to give Jeff Stelling a laugh on Soccer Saturday because it'd be a go-go OG. Uh, he used to do that when he was with Daggers, if it ever happened, or even for a goal. He always used to comment on it, Stelling. Uh, but he joined us and played right back. And you could see right from right from the start, he was fit, he was energetic, he was keen, uh, he was very committed. And you'd have to say, he, when he first came to us, he was a bit, um, his decision-making wasn't the best, which got him into a lot of trouble with some tackling. But once he sort of got the balance right between tackling and uh, getting stuck in, uh, he was just, he was an excellent player for us and again served us with distinction uh, until he moved on to uh, bigger and better things, which was well-deserved uh, promotion for him. Uh, he came back to us, of course, in the last year. And uh, I would say that uh, when he came to us, we were, we were, we were not playing very well. We were certainly erratic, but I think he was very responsible for steadying that ship and setting us up before his loan ended uh, to go on the good run that we finished the season with. I think he can take quite a bit of credit from that. It would have been nice if we could have got him back, to be fair, this year, but uh, that was always going to be a bit difficult. And I see this week he's uh, he's signed on for, for South End, so he'll do well for there. Uh, a player we had for a short time on loan at the end of one season for a few months was uh, Matthias Baudry. Uh, he was excellent. I think the year that he played for us, he helped keep us up and he made a major contribution there. Again, it would have been nice to sign him the following season, uh, but he was probably too good for us. Uh, and He went on to play more league football with Orient, with uh, Doncaster. I think he's currently with Swindon. Had a couple of injuries, but he's still got a couple of years left in him, I think. Uh, you, you see him, uh, so he had forged a very good career for himself, but one of our best ever loan players. Uh, Liam Gordon, one of the more recent players, we like to say one of our own, came through our academy team, uh, left back. Uh, I remember seeing an early game he played for us over Avely on their plastic pitch when we lost, I think it was to Gray's Athletic, 
we played a, a rather mix and match old experienced and uh, young team and we lost but I remember turning around to a friend of mine and saying he looks like a player for the future and uh, wasn't wrong there it was good to see him get a chance to play in the league with Bolton that was disappointing to lose him and it was nice to see him come back this year and give it all again there's definitely a league player in there no doubt about that Ashley Vickers played around the time of the Charlton game uh, and a bit later uh, he was a he was a really good player very hard I saw one of his early I saw an early game before he came to Dagenham playing for Haybridge Swifts at Enfield on a Friday night in November and I remember thinking He's quite an elegant, cultured-looking player. Little did I know that that was probably not how you describe Ashley. He was hard, committed and got stuck in. And if he got the tackle wrong, then woe betide the place of the bloke he was tackling because he didn't ever hold back. Uh, one of the best games I saw him play was the year we played Boston and we were going for them in the league. It was us and them. And we won one nil that night at the Daggers and he scored the goal. Uh, didn't score that many, but that was certainly a cracker. Uh, but uh, Ashley Vickers, very, very good player, very hard. Lee Matthews played centre-half around this time. Uh, now, Lee was one of the best defenders I think we've ever had. It was only injuries that stopped him uh, playing, definitely playing at a higher level. He was cultured, he was committed, he got stuck in. He was a great leader. You'd definitely follow him by example. Um, I think we signed him from Perfleet, and he was one of our best ever signings. Uh, he, he should have played at a higher level. Shame he was a little bit injury prone, but Lee Matthews, definitely a, a fine player. As was Paul Watts, who played left-back around about the time of the 1992 merger. England non-league international, left-footed, got up and down, very good, very solid. You never probably see Paul have a bad game. Always, always at least average, but normally better than that. Uh, played for us for a number of years, a lot of appearances, uh, had a testimonial. Uh, and it was well deserved. I think he suffered possibly some health problems uh, in later life. And as far as I know, he's not doing too bad now. I hope that's the case. I've not seen anything untoward about that. Uh, Steve Connor was a centre half at the time of the merger. He uh, he was a very good uh, good in the air, uh, good defender, quite hard, quite solid sort of player that would have a short sleeve shirt on in the coldest weather and shorts pulled up to his waist is how I sort of picture him just sort of organised and hard and tough he played for us for a number of years played at Wembley in 97 so he was still with us then um, formed a good centre half partnership with Glyn Creaser who'd another one that I'd keep on my list uh, Glyn was getting on a bit by then but um, he was again he played a league football he was a big chap a bit fearless led by example uh, the year we got to Wembley in 97, I don't suppose we had the best ever team then, but we had two centre-halves in Connor and Creaser that were the backbone of it with Gothard. Uh, so they all uh, they, they definitely had contributed big time to get into Wembley. Um, Mark Smith was a player that played for us in the early 2000s. Now Mark had played with distinction for Stevenage and whenever you saw Stevenage, you think yeah, he's a good player. It was only when he came to Dagenham that you realised just how good he was. He had speed, he could mark, he was in the air, he could tackle. He was an excellent player, Mark. Yeah, It was a shame that he left around about the same time as Mark Steen did in not, not the best circumstances. Uh, we definitely didn't see the best of him, but he was, he was a terrific player. Uh, currently, we've got Kenny Clark. Um, he's been our captain. He played for us a number of years ago as a young lad. Had to move elsewhere to get regular game time. Played with distinction for some other local clubs. 
uh, Chelmsford and Dartford particularly, uh, and um, Ebbsfleet. And uh, he came back to us a couple of years ago and uh, when we needed a leader, when we needed someone solid at the back, and he did pretty well. Uh, he had a bit of a dip in form, I would say, at the beginning of this year. Uh, but he applied himself and towards the end of the year he was back to his, his level best. I saw a stat this week about the number of duels won by players in the National League and we had two in the top ten. One was Paul McCullum, uh, the other one was Kenny Clark. So he made a good comeback again. He's just had an extra year's contract given uh, this year, which I think is good news. Uh, Manny Onorezi, another player in the last couple of years, when Peter Taylor was in charge and we were not doing too well, uh, to put it mildly, uh, he changed the team around around about October, November time and brought in uh, Kenny Clark, I think, uh, Belenta, uh, Colin Wilkinson and also brought in Manny on a Riesi. And Manny was an excellent centre-half, uh, tall, strong, uh, quite fast. Um, his distribution, I often thought, wasn't the best, but you could see even then he was working on that and his defensive qualities were fantastic. Uh, when we managed to get him to sign permanently, that was um, an excellent uh, piece of business. And although I was disappointed, I wasn't surprised to see he left us to go back into the Football League, where he still is performing uh, at a very high level. I sort of keep an eye on how he's doing, and he's, he's always getting mentioned and doing well. Good player. Scotty Griffiths was the left-back we had uh, in the mid-2000s, sort of uh, a bit later than that, a bit, like, no, a bit later than the mid um, and again, a good player. Um, he went on to play league football. Uh, he came through our youth, uh, our youth uh, uh, levels. I remember going to see probably an Essex Senior Cup tie over Ilford's ground. Uh, the only time I've been to Cricklesfields, there was hardly anyone there. Uh, and he was playing. I'd never seen him play before. Uh, again, I remember turning around and saying to a friend of mine, he's a good player there. Uh, and he was. He went on to become a fan's favourite. He was always going up and down the wing and each season he played for us, he improved, got better attacking-wise. Uh, he had a very good engine on him, just motored about and yet another one who went on to play, as I say, league football with Peterborough who for a period of years did seem to use us as their nursery and we were always signing players from us. There was quite a few. Back in the, uh, the merger days, we had a fullback by the name of Paul Shirtliff, England non-league international. He didn't play for us for very long. Again, he was a northern-based player, uh, and um, he uh, he uh, so he didn't play for very long. But I remember he played in the game that we lost five-four uh, to Orient in the FA Cup in '92. And five-four uh, doesn't suggest he was a good defender, but he was actually. And one of the things I remember about him and that game was I was watching that one uh, right in the corner. Uh, where the right back would be and Orient were attacking. And we were 3-1 up with a couple of minutes to go before half-time. And uh, he tackled an Orient player, as you'd expect him to, goal kick. And the ref managed to give a corner. Uh, now from the corner, Orient scored. So instead of going in at half-time, 3-1 up, we went in at 3-2. I, I suspect that momentum uh, of the game changed because of that decision. Uh, now... Uh, I'm not saying that's the only reason Paul Shirtliff is mentioned here, but it's something that I've remembered. And that was, considering that was 1992, uh, not that I'm holding a grudge or anything, but maybe just a small one. Uh, last player I'm going to mention is Tarkin Mustafa. Right back, Tarkin was a good player, had a good pedigree, played at the top level, played in league football uh, with a few clubs and had a very good non-league career. Came to us... Uh, and shone for us, if you remember the playoff final at Stoke, 
against Doncaster. He uh, scored a goal, uh, and he almost, I always thought when we were 2-0 down in that game, he almost single-handedly got us back into it, really, by the, just the way he drove us on. Uh, Tarkin was an excellent player, but funny enough, again, one of the things I remember about him, he played right back in the in the game where we lost at home on Sky to Hereford by the small matter of 9-0. And in the second half, um, it seemed from where I was standing behind the goal, not that much was happening at the, the goal I was standing behind, it was all at the other end, that um, all the attacks were going down his side and he just seemed overwhelmed by it. And uh, But even though that was happening, what I remember is that he never actually gave up in that game. So I'm not sure it was his best ever game, but he certainly never gave up. And it's funny how that stuck in my mind. But Tarkin, uh, Mustafa, was a, was a good fullback. And uh, again, for a time, we were lucky to have him. Now, moving on to midfield and trying to find more players that uh, I think can grace my Dagger and Redbridge team. Uh, let's start with Peter Gain. Uh, Peter Gain came to Dagenham relatively late in his career. I think I actually saw his first game for us away at Wickham on a cold Tuesday night when we were down at the bottom of the league uh, and we actually won the game 1-0 with a penalty and uh, he played that and I remember turning around to a friend of mine saying, hmm, don't think that signing's going to uh, change much for us. Well, how wrong could I be? He was, while the time he was with us, he was a superb player. He drove us on from midfield, nice cultured left foot, very skillful, very committed. And what I liked about him was that he really seemed to to get himself involved in it uh, rather than just be on the periphery. I remember the year we went down, lost the last game away at Peterborough to drop out of League One. Uh, he was on the pitch afterwards crying his eyes out. That's how much it meant to him. And he, he brought that sort of quality to, to all the games, uh, all the games that he played in, really. Uh, and uh, we were lucky to have him. Small bit of trivia, uh, when we played Lincoln away in the FA Cup uh, during our FA Cup glory years, uh, and we won 1-0 with a Mark Janney goal, I've got the programme for that game, and on the front of the programme is a picture of a Lincoln player, and it's actually Peter Gain. Uh, now, the next player, I would say you could make a good case for it being our best ever loan signing. We had Matt Ritchie play for us, uh, for a whole season. Now Matt is now currently starring for Newcastle. He's also played for Bournemouth uh, and other clubs in the Football League. Uh, I think he's a Scotland international as well. Uh, but he played for us as a young chap on loan. Uh, I think it was from Portsmouth. Um, and he spent the whole season, the year that we just failed to make the playoffs in our second season in the league. Uh, he scored goals, he was committed, he took defenders on, he worked hard. He just had, you could see, apart from the levels of ability he had, he had um, he had all the, the attributes to commit himself and make the best of his talent. And that's uh, precisely what I think Matt did. Another good um, winger we had uh, for a very, very short time was uh, Dominic Green. Now, Dominic, I think we got as a young 18-year-old, probably released by West Ham. And he played five games for us and looked, well, red hot in all of those. And then before you knew it, he'd gone off to our nursery club and Peterborough had signed him. Now, he didn't necessarily do very well there and in other places. And uh, he ended up back at Dagenham for a time, played a little bit more for us and then dropped out with us again. And I should think uh, Dominic Green, I would say, was one of the players who's possibly a little bit, didn't quite fulfil the promise that he undoubtedly had. But while he, while he was there for a very short time, he made quite an impression on me. 
John Nurse. Uh, I've decided I've got to pick John because he got the winner for us at Wembley. So on that basis alone, he deserves to be in any conversation. He could have been a defender. He could have been an attacker. Could have been a midfielder because he played all of those positions. And I remember John still saying that he was the perfect Dagenham player uh, purely because he could do that because obviously we couldn't necessarily fool the biggest squad. So if you had a player that could, who was that versatile, he was worth his weight in gold. And uh, John certainly was worth his weight in gold to Daggers over a period of time. And also he was a full international. He's on our honours board in the hall of the players that are full internationals. Next, I'm going to go for three players in one, in effect, from the early sort of 2000s to about 2000 or 2010 at least, we had three right wingers or right midfielders, call them what you will, all a bit similar in their own way, but all with slightly different attributes. Danny Green, Mark Janney and Sam Saunders. Uh, Mark uh, Janney was a local lad, had been at Tottenham and played for us. And what a player he was, he just get it and put his head down, go past the, the winger, go past the fullback, get to the, the byline and chip a little nice little nine iron, chippy little cross into the far post. Bang, one nil. Ken Charlery, one nil. It was that sort of that sort of thing. Very, very good player. Then we finished after he left, we ended up with Sam Saunders, who we John still picked up from Carl Shorten. Quite slight, uh, Sam. Um, but again, he had all the attributes and could, again, like Jan, he could cross a ball that was more of a sort of a beater man and then whip a cross in type of thing. Uh, he left us to go to, to Brentford uh, and he carved out a very good uh, football league career with Brentford. I think he's now assistant coaching or coaching their under 23 squad. So Sam's still involved in the game. And then when he left, we replaced him with Danny Green. Uh, and Danny, he always reminded me of David Beckham, the way he crossed it. He'd sort of just get to the side of a man and could whip it in, uh, scored his fair few goals as well and free kicks. And the year that uh, we played at um, Wembley, he was fantastic that whole season and the following one. Again, and the player who fully deserved his uh, league uh, his league move. Uh, in fact, um, when I hear the, the uh, commentary of the, the Wembley win and he scored the second goal, obviously, I had that as my ringtone on my phone when the... The commentator on Sky goes, green shoots, green scores. That was just a fantastic goal, never to be forgotten. Uh, so you had three wingers there, but all deserved uh, mentioning and all good in different ways. Moving on to Roman Vancelot, uh, literally just retired this season. So again, had a, had a very good career after leaving us, played for several league sides. And everywhere he went, the fans would be totally appreciative of a man who never gave less than 100% and was just like that for the Daggers. I remember the year we were in League One, we got a two-all draw at Colchester and he got the equalising goal with a header where he just dived in, where he had no right to stick his head, scored a fantastic header and uh, he was then carried off with a head injury, unfortunately, but it was worth it for the goal. Uh, that was a brilliant piece of play by Roman. Uh, and the year that uh, we actually went up through the playoffs, uh, we played Burton at home in one of the last few games when we needed to win and we were down one in the second half. And he scored an absolutely worldy from about uh, 30, 35 yards, a sort of a dipping volley, a brilliant goal. And that set us up for Graham Montgomery to get a pretty much a last-minute winner. Uh, so Roman Vancelot played in a lot of different positions for us uh, and was brilliant in our Wembley win with the overhead kick, which um, I like to think was the best goal never scored at Wembley. That's probably a slightly over-exaggeration, but uh, it certainly felt like it. 
A winger, another winger we had was Zavon Hines. Now, Zavon didn't play very much for us. Again, good pedigree, played for West Ham, played for Burnley. Injury had, injury had held him back, but on his day he was fast, he was skillful, he was pretty brave actually because he was the sort of player that would get kicked to bits, but he always came back for more. I remember when we signed him, I'd seen him play in a pre-season friendly, I thought, God, we'd be lucky to get him, he's too good for us. Um, we did manage to get him, I don't quite know why no one else would take a punt on him, but we did and he was brilliant for us while he was fit. Unfortunately, he suffered a lot with injuries. I remember a game at uh, South End, probably in a League Cup tie or a Johnston's Paint Trophy tie that we won. They just kicked him every time he moved, and he was he was just a brilliant player. He'd get the ball deep in in our half, and by the time he'd he'd run up the pitch and beaten the succession of players, um, we'd be right up the other end of the pitch. And I loved watching uh, Zavon play. Similarly, I did with Andre Bucard. Uh, I've said before on a bit of a, a podcast that. Um, I just love watching. I love watching Andre play. He took the ball under pressure. He'd do drag backs. He was skillful. He'd nearly always find his own team. Uh, he didn't mind where he took it, under what pressure. In fact, I think he thrived. The harder it was, the more he enjoyed testing himself. Uh, didn't always get the appreciation from the daggers. I think he did, but I think players that played with him um, did. And I've seen several Dagenham players say um, how good his skill was. Uh, in fact, there was a, a one an ex league player, Curtis Woodhouse, was on Twitter going through his best ever players that he'd ever played with, and they were normally quite well known household names because he'd played at quite a good level. And when he got to uh, midfield, he said, "I'm picking number ten. I'm picking the best player you'll never heard of," and that was Andre Bucard. And he said, "You probably won't have heard of him, but of all the players I played with, he had the most skill, and it was a mystery why he didn't go further." and uh, I'd concur with that. He was an excellent player. As is Matt Robinson, who's currently playing for us, been with the Daggers for five years. He's just signed a new two-year contract, which is very good news. Matt had a... I always thought Matt was a superb player anyway, uh, just non-stop running, non-stop harrying, non-stop collecting it and, and helping it on. But uh, he seems to have brought uh, another dimension to his game this year by adding goals to his games. And where he only had a handful, well, I think one or two in about 150 games, he managed to score about seven or eight this year. If he carries that on to next season, I think we can look forward to, to even bigger and better things. Who remembers Jason Broom? Everybody. Jason played for us for a number of years, played in the game at Charlton around about that time, and later on played so many games he got a testimonial uh, he was a player that was non-stop up and down the line, uh, left-footed. He could play left-back, up front on the left or midfield on the left. Uh, a good, solid, all-round player. A player that should definitely and could have definitely played at a higher level, I think. And if it hadn't been for Boston Gate, was one of those players who definitely was denied a possible league opportunity because of that uh, behaviour by Boston. Um, Jason could score goals as well. So he was a very, very good player to have in your team. As was Steve Heffer. Uh, well, I think we signed him from Hendon for £5,000. Uh, and uh, his father actually was Paul Heffer, who played for West Ham uh, many years ago. Uh, Steve was a good player. He could, again, chip him with his fair few goals. Uh, he used to get around, used to, he was, I was going to say, he used to kick players. That's a bit harsh, probably, but he was certainly quite a hard player. Uh, 
Dagenham let him go too early, or Gary Hill did, uh, as he subsequently admitted when asked. He said that was a player he regretted leaving. He should have kept him on. Uh, and I was quite surprised when he left, I must admit. He was the sort of player you'd always want in your team, a player's player. Not the most spectacular skill-wise, but just a good, hard-working, all-round, honest team player. A very good player, Paul Heffer. Again, I think, uh, Steve Heffer, rather, sorry. Again, I think a bit uh, underrated. Uh, Paul Terry, always known as, of course, the brother of John, unfortunately for him. He was a, a midfielder, box-to-box could tackle, could run all day, had very good positional sense, quite skilful on the ball, like his brother, uh, not blessed with good pace or maybe a change of pace, and maybe that uh, stopped him playing a little bit higher. But again, another player who left the Daggers and went on to play league football, I think Yeovil paid 20000 for his services, I believe, something like that. And he went on to play for other teams as well. Uh, and uh, he's, he was an excellent player. I was very disappointed when he left because I used to have a big argument with a chap behind the goal every week about his merit. This chap didn't like him, and I used to say every week how good he was, and um, I think I was proved right. Anyway, it was inevitable because he was a good player. Gary Butterworth, going back to just after the merger time, was a midfielder, left-footed, very neat and very tidy player, scored in that game against Orient, uh, went on again to have league careers, it's amazing how many players that we have actually passed on to the league, and he was another one, Gary Butterworth. As was my final pick in the midfield department, Ian Richardson played for us uh, in the mid to mid nineties, I suppose, early nineties. Um, he was um, he was a very good player, tall, leggy, rangy, used to get up and down the pitch, really good in the air, uh, and scored a fair few goals. Went on to play in the league, I think, with Birmingham and Notts County. A bit unfortunate, I suspect, to play for the Daggers at a time when we weren't, he didn't have our strongest team. So uh, he um, he carried, I think he carried us for a bit, for a period of time in the midfield department. But Ian Richardson, he completes my midfield players. Now finally, I'm going to have a rummage through my memory of forwards that played for the Daggers, and there's been some fair old good ones, you have to say. I'm going to start with uh, Paul Benson. It'd be hard to start with anyone else, really. We signed him uh, from White Ensign. He had a really good record of um, at that level, Essex Intermediate Football level, and he took quite a time to settle with Dagenham. I think he only scored one goal in his first season, though he never gave up trying. And then... Um, it ended up, he got to the point where the year we won the conference, he was the our leading goal scorer, the conference leading goal scorer, led the line. You expected him to score every game. Uh, an absolute legend for the club. Even came back to play for us and still scored when he came back to us uh, a few goals. And again, always speaks very affectionately of the Daggers. And I suspect we do hold a bit of a special place for Paul uh, in his heart, which is quite nice. Um, the year we got to League One, unfortunately... He played, not unfortunately that he played, but he played the first game away at Sheffield Wednesday. I remember seeing that. And not long after, or maybe straight after that, he was he was sold to Charlton. I think we had an agreement with him that if a really good offer came in for a step up, we should be both good for him on the financial side and the status side. We wouldn't stand in his way, and that obviously happened. But it was very disappointing to lose Paul. And being as we only went down uh, by a point that season... Uh, it's probably fair to say that if we'd have had his goals, there's a good chance we might have stayed up. It's all ifs and buts, but Paul Benson was a great player for Dagenham and a, a true Daggers legend. Uh, Craig McHale-Smith played alongside Paul for a time. 
Now, we signed him from Arsley. Uh, I'm not sure what league they played in at the time, but it was quite a, a, a level below Dagenham. And we played Arsley Town in the, in the trophy at home. And after about 10 minutes, I remember saying to one of my friends I was standing with, that right wing is better than anything we've got. He was just tremendous. Uh, it didn't take an expert to see it, I didn't think. Uh, we drew that game and the replay was back at Arsley uh, during the week. And they, they, I can't remember what the score was, but they smashed us basically. And he was, again, responsible for that. He, I think he definitely scored that night as well. And I thought, well, that man's just obviously too good for this level. Uh, wouldn't mind seeing him at Dagenham. But I was very surprised that in the close season he did come to Dagenham. Um, I thought he might even have bypassed us and gone higher. He was that good. But he came to us. Uh, he got better virtually every week he was there. He was fast. He used to harry defenders. He could score. Uh, he was always in and around the box. He was a, he was a terrific player. Uh, and the year we won the conference, he actually left in the, in the January uh, and went uh, went off to play at uh, Peterborough. Uh, and I thought we'd really miss him, which we did. Though we covered it with Ben Strevens. But uh, Craig McHale Smith uh, was uh, one of our better players ever, without any doubt at all. Chris Moore was a player. I remember seeing him play for... I heard Dagenham had signed him. And I think the first time I saw Chris play uh, for Daggers was away at Ebbsfleet or Gravesend, as they were probably then. And he came on as a sub. And I thought when he came on, hmm, he looks a little bit lightweight. And I didn't particularly notice anything special for a while. And then the ball came across in the box or near the box. And he was on it like a flash and got a shot in or did whatever he did. And it was just like he came alive. I thought, oh, yeah, he's definitely got something. And he certainly did. He, he led the line uh, quite well for Daggers. Very skillful, left-footed, knew where the goal was. Uh, I think he went to join Brentford when there was a competition where the winner of the competition was given 50,000 or something. Uh, and they could buy a player that they wanted. I think that was how it had to be used. I can't remember how the, com the competition was run. And it was run, won by a Brentford fan. And they used the money to get hold of Chris Moore. I might have got that completely wrong, but that's something I've got in my mind. But he was from that part of the world, from West London. Um, so I think they were his, his local club. Uh, it, it didn't necessarily work out for him over a long period of time at Brentford. I remember he came back to Dagenham and we played away at Brentford in the league and he actually got the winner. And the crowd, I think, had been giving him a bit of stick. But he got the winner or the equaliser right in front of us and... He, it's fair to say he celebrated it with quite a bit of glee. I thought, good on you, mate. But Chris Moore was, was a good player. Uh, I'm going to mention Baz Savage. Not because Baz, if you like, was one of our best ever players. He probably wasn't. Uh, he had a bit of a career. But he played for us in around about 2010 when we were at a bit of a low ebb uh, for various reasons. Uh, again, I don't think we can necessarily afford to splash out on big transfer fees, wages and such like. But he played for us uh, and he had a bit of a connection with the crowd because he was a bit of a character. Uh, and as you might remember, if he scored, he did a Michael Jackson moonwalk. Uh, and he was actually very good at it. He ended up being on Soccer AM demonstrating it. And if you ever want to laugh, go on YouTube and just look up Baz Savage moonwalk. He's, he's very entertaining. Uh, so Baz... Uh, I think it's worth mentioning just because of the connection he had. There used to be a song was um, there's only one Baz Savage, one Baz Savage. We thought he was, and we were right. There's only one Baz Savage. It was something like that. Anyway, I missed out a particular word there, but uh, yeah, Baz Savage. He was entertaining. Dwight Gale. Yeah, pretty much everyone. 
little follows football have heard of Dwight Gale. Uh, he scored goals in the Football League where he's been Newcastle and Palace and Peterborough. He's been transferred several times for quite a fair, fair amounts of money. Uh, and he played for us. We signed him, I think, on a three-year deal. And for the first year, for whatever reason, we had to send him out on loan. Couldn't afford to pay him, I think John still said once. Uh, and he went to Bishop Stortford in the National South, scored about 40-odd goals. So we were all looking forward to him coming back to our first team the following season, which he did. And he scored goals, but it was obvious from the, as soon as you saw him play that he was probably too good for that level. And he didn't last long, and off he went. Uh, surprise, surprise to Peterborough. Uh, but uh, the, the transfer that uh, that uh, was negotiated... Uh, was gave us a lot of money over over quite a few years and kept us going. So not only was Dwight, Dwight Gale a, a great player, but he also financially uh, did very well for the club. Mark Steen, uh, he played uh, for Chelsea, for Luton, and probably some other teams, but came to us uh, and was just a natural goal scorer, scored loads of goals, goals for us. The year we, um, we got to the playoff final at Stoke, he was knocking them in left, right and centre. Uh, I remember um, the year that uh, England qualified for the World Cup when David Beckham scored that last-minute goal against Greece at Old Trafford. Uh, that game uh, was live on television. I didn't see it. I was at Farnborough Town watching Mark Steen score a last-minute goal for Dagenham. Uh, so I remember both, but Mark Steen's was more fun. Uh, he scored a lot of goals for the Daggers. Uh, I should think probably one of the best natural finishers I've seen. Uh, as I touched on with Mark Smith, it was a shame he, he left the daggers under a bit of a, a bit of a cloud. Uh, Reese Murphy still playing, just been uh, transferred from Yeovil to South End this week. Uh, played for the daggers. Um, Wayne Burnett signed him. Uh, he I think he came from a Belgian side. He had been at Arsenal as a youngster and then had moved around a bit. Uh, he played for the daggers again in not a very good side and still managed to knock quite a few goals in. Uh, he left us, I think, went to Oldham. I remember it was on transfer deadline day and it was rumoured that he might go and it got to about a quarter to 11 at night on on Sky and uh, nothing had happened. And I remember texting a friend saying, phew, that was a close one. I thought we might lose a player or two today, particularly Reese Murphy. And then around about quarter past 11 or some ridiculous time, it came through as one of the last deals of the day that he'd left and gone to, uh, I, think, I think it was Oldham, but I might have got that wrong. Uh, but Reese, he was a funny player, lively in and around the box. Uh, not so much sure other than that, but a natural goal scorer. And as I say, still knocking him in now. As is Jamie Curiton, amazingly enough. He's uh, older than Methuselah. Uh, I think he's got the, the, the record of scoring in every league uh, available in England up to about the ninth level. Uh, I might have got that wrong, but it's something... Something like that is the only chap to have done that. And the, the years he played for us, um, he was he was uh, he was getting on then in age, but he still knocked in quite a few goals for us in the league. I think he got a hat trick against Wimbledon. But as anyone will remember, and if you look at his goals reel, it still still shows he was the master of the lob. If he, the ball was played through and it was him against the keeper, it was bump over his head straight in the net. A natural goal scorer. Christian Doidge played for us a, a bit. We signed him from Carmarthen Town, another Wayne Burnett signing. Uh, and he wasn't a bad player, very good in the air. Uh, and um, 
he, he when he after he left us, he uh, he's forged out another good career with Forest Green Rovers. Got a big transfer to Bolton. It all went a bit wrong when their their financial problems uh, caused them trouble, and has played up in Scotland. Uh, I must admit, I I never thought he was um, he was that good in the sense that I didn't think he would play at that level. But he, one thing he did have was grit and determination, and never gave up in a game. Uh, so I say good luck to him, and um, he he was he was a good player for us uh, at a time. Again, we weren't necessarily the strongest. He didn't score that many goals, but he was um, he was he was a good team man, good club man. I think Jody Jones, uh, little winger that we had, he um, came through the youth system. Again, didn't last long with us because he was always going to be a natural talent, uh, and he transferred. Out without too long, but played for us and scored. Looked a really good, really good player. Injuries, unfortunately, has held him back. He's had a couple of nasty cruciate uh, ligament injuries, I think. But uh, he was a player that uh, you could see from the moment he got his feet, he would take people on, and uh, he was always going to make it in the football league. Ollie Hawkins is not a player I would say the same about. We signed him from Hemel Hempstead Town. John still signed him. He's about six foot six, a big bloke. Quite powerful looking, but the first uh, season he signed for us, I thought, hmm, you've got a big frame there, mate, but you, you don't seem to be putting yourself about. You're you're quite lightweight for a big bloke. Uh, and then after that, the next season, it was as if he'd suddenly someone had flicked a switch and he suddenly became that powerful man you always thought he could be. Very dangerous in the air, scored goals, quite uh, confident, I think, not afraid to have a go. And again, got a I got a transfer to uh, a league side. Got a good transfer to Portsmouth where he did okay. A lot of time he spent playing centre half. Uh, then went to Ipswich. They let him go, uh, and he's just this week signed for Mansfield. Corey Whiteley was a player we signed from Enfield Town. I remember John still saying, "I'm so glad we've been able to get him." They didn't think they'd be able to have the spare cash to to get him, and they did find it for whatever reason, uh, and we signed him. Uh, and John Stewart, as I said, he said, I didn't think we'd be able to get him. I thought somebody else would have taken him on by now because he's obviously that good. Uh, and he came on his first game. I don't know if he started or came as sub. And I thought within five minutes, well, what a player we've got here. He would just take people on, do quite unusual things, shoot from strange places. But he just had, you thought he had all that it uh, took. Uh, and he um, he had to leave under the Glyn Hopkin debacle. Uh, and played elsewhere. He's played at Boreham Wood. He got moved to Newport that didn't quite work out. I think he played at Bromley. He played at Ebbsfleet. Uh, and I've seen him back at Dagenham a few times. And he doesn't quite look the same player. He's still a good player, but he almost looks like he's had that surprise element taken out of him. I can't think of a better way of putting it. He's become a bit more, a bit more regimented. But when he came to the Dagenham, he just never quite knew what he was going to do. But it wouldn't always be explosive which was good. Angelo Balenta, uh, quite simply one of the best players I've ever seen at Dagenham. I just love watching him. The way he kills the ball, controls the ball, takes it under pressure and makes space for himself. It's just like he's in his head, he's playing and thinking a different game. A player that I just love to watch. Uh, again, this season he signed a new uh, contract with the Daggers, new three-year deal, and I think that's just brilliant news because he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's wonderful. Uh, sound like I'm in love with him there, but he, he's a good player. I liked him when he played for Boreham Wood, and I like him even more now. Connor Wilkinson was a player that the Daggers signed by Peter Taylor on loan from Gillingham, and 
the Gillingham fans, when we signed him, people were saying, well, what's he like? <coughs> they were saying, oh, God, a bad attitude, etc., etc. No loss, blah, 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 nothing very positive. Yet from the moment he came to Dagenham, for whatever reason, he hit the ground running. Again, a player you never knew quite what he was going to do, but he had a bit of a cannon of a left foot, a lot of skill. And he also had, a, I think it's known as an edge about him. Uh, and he would, um, he'd quite like to wind the opposition up. I remember we went to Maidstone on, and won uh, two or three nil away. And I, I think he scored the second goal and uh, he just took it on and smashed it home. And he just ran and stood in front of their fans and just stood there celebrating like I have just scored. What are you going to do about it? It was great. It's the sort of player you actually hate if he's on the other side. But if he's playing for you, you actually love to see him. Uh, we've got a forward now, Paul McCullum, who statistically in the National League goal-scoring stakes is probably the best there is over the last few years. Uh, he had a bit, he's only been with us one season, had a bit of a injury, up, uh, interrupted season and COVID, etc., etc., let alone the, uh, the just no fans and just general disruption. Uh, so statistically, probably not his best ever season, but as the season went on, he got better and better. And I'm absolutely 100% confident that next season he'll be getting a hat full of goals. Paul Cavell was our centre forward back in 92, uh, an absolutely brilliant player. He could take players on. He always used to harry defenders, led the line. Um, he was he was probably just slightly past his best when I first saw him in 92, uh, but he was still an absolutely top player. Again, played in that Orient FA Cup game, scored. I've got the cuttings of the game for it somewhere. And he'd, he'd been on uh, Nottingham Forest's books as a youngster. And the reporter in the, this Orient game, he, he said that Paul Cavell was the best man on show that day. And he looked like one that had managed to uh, put Brian Clafford let go. He was that good, Paul Cavell. Paul Cobb, I don't know if he still is, but I think he was our record signing. Uh, I, th I may have got this completely wrong, but I think he cost 17000 from uh, Perfleet in about 1997, I would think. Played for us till early 2000s. Scored a lot of goals, natural goal scorer. Scored goals wherever he, wherever he went. Uh, and that, as I said before, that sort of team of that era, all very tight. And again, you still see lots of things on social media, that they're still a nice tight little group. And he formed an important part of that. And you still see him over the daggers sometimes, just watching. Uh, it's always nice to see old players come back and pulls often over the daggers. Danny Ship played around the same time. He'd uh, been on loan for us when he was a young lad. He was he was he won actually won Hammer of the Year, uh, or Young Hammer of the Year when he was at West Ham. Didn't quite work out there for whatever reason. He ended up at Dagenham, a local lad. Uh, served us with absolute distinction. Scored a hatful of goals up front and then converted to a midfielder. Uh, which sort of showed um, just how, how versatile he was and what a good footballer was he was as well as a goal scorer. I remember his, his second debut for us. He came on at Peterborough in, as a sub in an FA Cup tie. He'd signed on a couple of days before, walked on the pitch, and two minutes later he was putting a 35-yarder into the top corner. He was that good, Danny Ship. Uh, played for us for, for quite a number of years. And finally, Junior McDougald. Uh, Junior wasn't necessarily our heaviest ever goal scorer, but when it came to the FA Cup, he did have a way about him. Scored the goal against Charlton, scored at Ipswich, scored in other in other qualifying games. Uh, there was something about Junior that the FA Cup brought to light, and again, a good club man, led the line well, uh, quite savvy as well as a player. And we used to laugh if the game was uh, petering out and we needed to 
we needed to hang on to a, a, a win or a draw, and he was substituted. He had the he had the fastest way of running off at the slowest possible pace. Uh, silly thing to remember something for, but that is something that I remember Junior McDougald for, as well as all his goals and all his good play. So that's the, the list of players in all the positions. Now it's a question of picking the 15. So I'm just going to read them out as I've picked them. The two goalkeepers are Tony Roberts and Elliot Justin. My back five, we're not actually playing a right back, so uh, it's going to be uh, quite a centrally defended uh, team. We'll have to have wing backs, I suppose. My back five are going to be Mark Smith, Lee Matthews, Steve Connor, Mark Arbour and Scotty Griffiths. My five midfielders, I'm not saying this will make necessarily the best uh, <laughs> the best lineup as such, uh, but they're my five favourite players. Mark Janney, Andre Bucard, Zavon Hines, Roman Vancelot and Angelo Belenta. And my three forwards, and this is a good forward line on any level, Paul Benson, Mark Steen and Paul Cavell. I'm not sure everyone will agree with those picks, but... It was quite an interesting exercise in just remembering all those great players. For the second segment of this episode, I'm going to pick my best ever Dagenham 11. Again, like the Dagenham Redbridge team, it's going to be 15 players, two goalkeepers, five defenders, five midfielders and three forwards. Uh, and after that, I'll uh, name who I think should be in the, the final 11. So we're going to start as before. Uh, with goalkeepers uh, trying to whittle it down to two from those that I've seen. Uh, when I started going in the mid to early 60s, the first goalkeeper I can really remember seeing was Peter Harmon. He was quite a tall, imposing keeper. He had um, red ginger hair. I seem to remember him uh, in a bright yellow goalkeeping outfit. He looked, he looked quite big. I was a small lad at the time, so maybe he just looked a bit bigger. In those days, you could stand on the wall at Dagenham, right pressed up against it, uh, so you were right close to the goalkeeper, so I got to be quite close to Peter Harmon and could see him throwing himself about a bit. He was a very good goalkeeper. I think we got him from Greys, and he played a number of games for the club. Uh, also, we had another goalkeeper around about that time, Alan Bettinson. Again, played a lot of games for the club. He was quite uh, stout, as I recall, but uh, was very good. He used to throw himself about and made lots of saves, a good club man. Uh, they were followed by Ian Hutley, now, Ian Hutley, uh, for anyone who's been a Dagenham supporter, uh, you're probably bound to have seen Ian play because he played for us over a number of years. I should think probably the best part of 13, 14, 15 seasons. He played uh, in all four cup finals at Wembley in the 70s and 80s, in 70, 71, in the Amateur Cup, in 77, in the Trophy, and in the victorious side in 19, 1980. He actually played 907 games in total for the club and even scored one goal. Uh, I was there for that goal. That was a home game on a Friday night. Uh, it was in 1978, in May. It was the night before the cup final, and Daggers had a friendly against Blythe Spartans. It was a testimonial for, actually, Ian Hutley. Uh, they chose Blythe Spartans because that year, 77-78, uh, was a year that Blythe had a fantastic uh, FA Cup run. I think they got to the fifth round, and they went out to Wrexham. Uh, after a replay, uh, and they played, they got lots of national attention for that uh, that run at the time. Knocked out a couple of league clubs, 
and then succumbed to uh, Swansea in the end. So I think they were invited down to as guests of honour to watch the cup final on the Saturday. So on the Friday night, uh, they played this friendly and testimonial at Dagenham for um, uh, for Ian Hutley. And Dagenham's actually won that game 1-0. And it was, a, I seem to remember, it was a, it's a serious game, taken in quite, uh, quite competitive. Uh, we got a penalty, Ian Hutley took it, and he scored. So he played 907 uh, games for the Daggers and got that one goal. Uh, now, I often think that uh, when you think of modern-day players, accepting, of course, that the uh, the Premier League and top-flight top flight football is, is faster, harder and more competitive and training and all the rest of it, how players nowadays uh, go on about the workload and the managers, it's now fashionable to rotate, rest players. One of the reasons why the FA Cup has been a bit diluted because that's when some players tend to get rested till the later rounds. But back in... Season 67-68, which was not too long after Ian Hutley started playing uh, for the Daggers. Uh, Daggers played over 80 games that season. Ian Hutley played in 76 of them. Uh, now, as I recall rightly, Ian was uh, a postman. So you can well imagine that he was getting up early in the morning, doing his round, training with the Daggers if they ever had time to train, but mainly playing games. As I say, 76 games. And just as... Uh, when you talk about overload now, and there's like, you say, Men's City might be playing in four competitions, the League, the Champions League, the League Cup and the FA Cup. That season, we competed in the Athenian League, the FA Cup, the Amateur Cup, the London Senior, allegedly the second hardest one for a non-league team to win at that time, the Essex Senior, the London Challenge Cup, the East Anglian Cup, the Essex Elizabethan Trophy. We actually had to withdraw from that because we ran out of time to play outstanding games, the Essex Floodlight Trophy, the London Charity Cup, the Essex Thameside Trophy, which to anyone who might remember, if we ever won that one, the, the trophy was this big, quite magnificent silver galleon. That was always a nice one to win. Uh, we also played in the Mithras Cup. That was held over to the following season. And we played pre-season friendlies and maybe other games during the season. So that was plus 80 games, of which uh, Ian played in 76 of them. So... That was, uh, that was quite an impressive effort. Uh, following on from Ian, uh, we, had Terry, we had Terry Moore. Uh, now, one of the recurring themes of some of the players I might mention in this uh, segment of the, of the podcast is that we had a tendency to sign a lot of players who had previously played for Enfield. Uh, that round about this uh, time, the sort of 70s, 80s, Enfield were a top non-league club. Very unlucky not to get in the league. I think with the year they possibly won the, the alliance, uh, as it was called then, uh, they didn't automatically have promotion in those days and they didn't get elected to the league. Even if they were eligible to apply, I'm not sure if their ground would have been considered good enough. But they certainly they could have got in the league and they would have done well, uh, but they, they didn't. But we tended to sign a lot of players who played in the best Enfield teams, just maybe slightly when they weren't quite as good, but nevertheless still good. And Terry Moore uh, was one of those occasions. Uh, he, he played in goal for us for quite a while. Uh, I think he was probably a non-league international, very sound, very safe pair of hands. Now, with uh, Ian and Terry being around so long, uh, chances for a, a reserve goalkeeper or number two to possibly make um, a mark on the team were quite limited, really. But we did have a lot of good backups. Uh, and three that come to mind are Terry Dickinson, who was... Uh, around in the uh, 71 sort of season when we got to Wembley. He's actually featured in the, in the programme, in the team photo, 
he came in a few times, he was more than capable. Uh, Mickey Byrne, slightly earlier than that, in the late 60s, I think we might have signed him from somewhere like Hounslow. Again, excellent goalkeeper, unlucky not to have played more for Dagenham, but Ian Hutley just always stood in the way because he was, he was that good. Uh, and Joe O'Sullivan, who was with the club for about four years, had played for Forge United, I think, and Raynham, possibly. Uh, he played only about 50 games over four years, but again, more than capable deputy. Uh, another goalkeeper we had um, towards the mid to late 80s was John Jacobs. Again, a player that, uh, a goalkeeper that we took, uh, having played for Enfield at a very high level. Uh, I think he possibly played for them during some of their good cup runs that they had. They got national attention uh, and he played in goal for us for quite a while. Uh, like uh, Ian, he also scored a, a goal for the club. Uh, and his goal actually was in quite unusual circumstances and quite significant uh, at the end of the 85-86 season, uh, Daggers didn't have the best team round about then. We were sort of, we'd, we'd had our glory years of Wembley's and promotions and the trophy winning 80. And we were actually going down, down a bit then. And I think money was becoming a little bit of an issue probably, uh, being able to compete with the bigger boys. Uh, and we were struggling at the wrong end of the Alliance League. And on the final game of the season, we needed a win or a draw uh, at Runcorn uh, away. Never an easy place to go in those days. Um, I don't think I ever saw Dagenham win there. We normally got hammered every time I went there. Um, and we played them away, and it was on a Sunday afternoon, and it was uh, a day when the, the weather was atrocious. It was in a gale force wind, uh, and bucketing down, and we actually did draw the game, one all, and John Jacobs, amazingly enough, scored our goal with a clearance that was just booted, wind-assisted, and ended up in... A, in the back of the net. Um, so that point saved the Daggers from getting relegated that year. I think if I'm right in saying that Dartford and Barrow got relegated, they would have gone down anyway. And the team that were subsequently relegated by us getting that rather fluky point was Wickham Wanderers. Uh, so judging by the fact that they were in the championship last year, they seem to have bounced back from that quite well. In the mid 80s, uh, we had a goalkeeper by the name of Lloyd Scott. Uh, Lloyd came from uh, Orient, I believe, and uh, played for us for a number of years. He was a very good goalkeeper. In his outside uh, job, he was a fireman, and quite an interesting story about uh, Lloyd. He went in a burning building uh, and brought some people out of um, a, a nasty situation. And as a routine uh, post-recovery uh, uh, post uh, event he had to attend hospital just because he'd suffered some smoke inhalation and as part of this routine test they discovered he he had a bit of an illness uh, and he had to have a lot of treatment for it i'm not quite sure what it was but it was quite serious uh, he did recover from it uh, but obviously he wasn't able to be a fireman anymore and he ended up being a, a fundraiser uh, i think it was for the anthony nolan uh, bone marrow uh, charity because uh, i think he when he was ill he needed probably some bone marrow maybe so that was what piqued his interest in that area and he's still doing fundraising to this day uh, quite a good chance you may have seen Lloyd if you're a fan of the London Marathon there's normally a chap that does uh, a particularly arduous task to make it even harder for himself uh, and to do that he, he means he can raise money for lots of charities and his most well-known one is uh, there was a chap who did it in a, a, a full diving suit, including helmet, and you can imagine how heavy they must be. 
and I think it took him weeks to do it, three weeks or six weeks or some very long time. But he did get round, and the person who did that was Lloyd Scott, the ex Dagenham goalkeeper. So he put uh, what was a, a nasty situation to for him to good use, uh, and I think he's raised a lot of money for charity. So a good lad there. Uh, some other goalkeepers that we had were Dave Morgan. Uh, he played uh, at the end of the time when Dagenham uh, were about to merge. Played over 200 games for the club. Uh, quite a solid goalkeeper. Uh, and also we had Darren Williams for a time, who uh, played in goal for us, played uh, over 120 games. Um, filled in quite well. I think he went on to play for Welling and a few other teams. But again, had a, a good career at, um, at the level and was a good custodian for us. One other thing about Ian Hutley, he played um, so many games for the club uh, with some other players who also had uh, quite a, a, a long uh, life with Dagenham in terms of number of games, one of whom was Dennis Moore, who I'll mention a bit later in the defenders section. Uh, and uh, I can remember that uh, Ian, a uh, number of times, he would just shout when the ball was humped into the area, away den. And... Um, that became so common that when I played football back in the day, uh, that used to be our standard phrase and quite laugh. So every time the ball would come in the area, someone would shout away den, whoever it was going to, uh, because in those days all of us went to Dagenham. So we all knew that little thing and uh, we, a few of us would still remember that to this, to this day. So that is the goalkeepers that um, I'm including in this section. Moving on now to defenders. Uh, again, in no particular order, not chronological, just as they come to my mind, I'm going to go through quite a few. And there's uh, some quite well, few well-known names here I think will be coming up. I'm going to start with Alan Campbell. Played for us in the early 80s. I think we possibly signed him from Hendon. He was a very big, very strong, imposing centre-half. Used to play without his teeth in. It made him look even more scary. Uh, played... I was surprised he played uh, as many games as he did. I didn't, in my head, it was a bit less, but he actually played 214 games for the Dag for the Daggers. He was a good club man. And uh, one of the things I remember about um, uh, Allen is unfortunately not a good thing in the sense we played uh, in the FA Cup in 1984-85, and in the second round we'd beaten Peterborough United at home one nil. Uh, it was a game that was featured on Match of the Day, uh, one of the clips of Match of the Day. Uh, and there was a bit of an incident with the crowd during that game. The ref took the players off and uh, they came back on after a while. Daggers won up and the ref blew up, uh, obviously, I would say completely early. The Peterborough manager was really annoyed about it. He made no allowance of the fact that the players had gone off. But by then, of course, the ref had blown up and left the pitch. So Daggers went through that 1-0. And I remember we piled into the bar afterwards in the clubhouse. Uh, and in that particular year... For some reason, they were having the draw for the third round uh, immediately after the game at five o'clock. So instead of having the weekend to salivate at the prospect of the third round getting Man United away and getting all excited for 48 hours or so, the draw was made immediately after the game at five. And we drew Carlisle away, which was probably about the most deflating draw you could get if you wanted to get Man United. You ended up with Carlisle. About the farthest you could go for the smallest probable crowd uh, and the least uh, possible money, that if, if that was just what you were looking for to gain, apart from the glory. So Carlisle, away it was, and we actually put in a very good performance that day, but we went down 1-0, uh, and it was uh, unfortunately due to a mistake by Alan uh, Campbell, where he let the ball uh, go through, uh, or pass back, and 
chap by the name of Malcolm Poskett went through 1-0 to Carlisle. We lost that game. Something that's always stuck in my mind. It's a bit unfair that I remember that just about Alan because he was he was a good player. Uh, another couple of players that we had, again, both from Enfield, would uh, uh, come from Enfield, Keith Ellie and Mark Wright. Keith Ellie was a barrel-chested, quite imposing centre-half. Played uh, over 100 games for the club. Did quite well. Uh, and, and Mark Wright, uh, a right-back who played well at Enfield. Didn't play so much for Dagenham, and I'm possibly only including him uh, just for the sort of little bit of information that uh, if you're a fan of reality TV, and I can't say as I am, but uh, I do know a bit about it. Uh, Mark Wright has uh, been on TOWIE, I think, and various other things, married to Michelle Keegan, and I'm pretty sure he's our Mark Wright's son. So uh, the, the TOWIE Mark Wright has been on Crawley's books and Billericay and a few others, so there's obviously a bit of a football pedigree. So that was Mark Wright, who I remember played for us for a bit, a right back. He was not a bad player. Uh, Paul Curry, we had play for us in the mid 70s to uh, mid to late 70s. So the father of a well known winger that we had and uh, coach, Darren Curry. Paul Curry was uh, an attacking left back, quite skillful, uh, not the fastest and probably not the best defender, but in terms of an attacking fullback up and down the wing, very good. And he was quite a crowd favourite because he certainly got stuck in and and had quite a few shots on goal. I remember we played Burton at home in the trophy in 1975 quarter-final, and we were actually two down in that game, and it was a rain-lashed, horrible, horrible, wet, soggy day, and uh, Paul smashed one home from quite a long way, put us back in the game. Unfortunately, we went down in that game 3-1, so we went out to Burton Albion, but uh, that was a particular goal that I remember. And as I say, he was a fan's favourite, played for us for a number of times, played at Wembley in the 77 trophy final against Scarborough, and a, a good player. You could see where um, he was related, obviously, to Tony Curry as well. Uh, so you could see that the whole family had sort of a certain amount of skill, even though they all sort of played different styles. In fact, midfield, fullback, and, and wingers, the three of them. But they all had lots of skill on the ball, and the ball was always their friend. Uh, a fullback we had by the name of John Ford. Uh, we took from Barking. Uh, John was a very good player, very sound, very solid, good on the ball, could also play in midfield. He only played four seasons for the Daggers, but just going back to the theme of number of games, uh, in four seasons he played 248, uh, which, uh, if you, what's that, works out about 60 a season. So if uh, yeah, you can imagine uh, how many games he would have played had he played for us for longer, that's, uh, that is quite a lot, that's quite a workload. But John was a very good player, uh, played for us in the 71 final at Wembley. A centre-half we took from Hornchurch. We had a few good big centre-halves. Uh, and this chap, Norman Welch, uh, was, no, was no different. Played uh, 214 games for the Daggers. Uh, quite tall, quite gangly, quite leggy. Uh, not the most comfortable looking on the ball, but, but a very good player, good centre-half as well. Um, unfortunately, one thing, again, uh, not a good thing that I remember about Norman was, uh, again, in the 70s, we played Spennymoor away in the quarter-final of the trophy. Uh, and you'll hear me mention the trophy quite a lot, uh, because in those years, 75 uh, quarter-finalists, 77 finalists, 78 quarter-finalists, I think 79 semi-finalists, is that the right order? We kept beaten by Kettering, 80 finalists. We had a magnificent pedigree for that time. We must have been... I should think us and perhaps Scarborough, we were we were always there or thereabouts the whole 70s. And we played Spennymoor away. We lost 1-0. Uh, 
Uh, it's a long, long drive up to Spennymore and a long, long drive home when you've lost 1-0, especially when the winning goal was scored, unfortunately, own goal by Norman. And I also recall that we were asked by a committee man if we could help out there and um, give Norman a lift back because he needed to get back to London quicker than the team likely would have done. I think he might have been coming back by train. And we were asked to drop him at a station. I'm not 100% sure, but I remember we'd obviously said yes, we would. And um, uh, he got in the car and we drove him to wherever we needed to drive him. Uh, and no one actually asked him about the own goal, though we all probably wanted to. But Norman Welch was a good player. Nicky Bissett was another chap we took, a young lad we took from Hornchurch back in the um, uh, mid to late 80s. Uh, he was a very good centre-half. Nicky, again, we didn't have the best uh, side around about that time and he pretty much held us together at the back. And it was obvious he was a good player, obvious he would go on to bigger and better things, uh, which he did. Um, as I've said before, we were getting probably a little bit strapped for cash around about that time. And Barnett came in with a derisory offer of 20000 when it was obvious he was worth a lot more. I think due to our parlous financial situation, we had to say yes to it, uh, even though we probably knew it wasn't the best deal going. But Barnett were probably managed by Barry Fry at the time, perhaps, and the chairman might have been Stan Flashman. So as we know, they, if that is the case, they did like a deal. Anyway, Barnett signed him for 20000 and six months later they sold him to Brighton. Uh, for 115,000 so you can see that was quite a good bit of business for them not so good for us no wonder we still hate Barnett fair enough I'd say uh, Nicky went on to play for Brighton for played roughly 100 games for them unfortunately suffered a bad, badly broken leg on two occasions and then I think a bit of knee trouble and never really uh, never really saw his career out as he should have done injuries curtailed that but Nicky Bissett was a was a really good player a centre-half we had the year we won the trophy in 1980, Tommy Horan. Uh, he played for us for a lot longer than just the 1980 season. Uh, played a total of 348 games for us. Wasn't the tallest, Tommy, uh, but he was good in the air. Um, he was left-footed, so nice foil for Dennis Moore at centre-half. Uh, very sound, had a pedigree of coming from West Ham as a young lad. Uh, a local lad as well, Tommy. Uh, and you still occasionally do see him over the daggers. Uh, so he played 348 games for us and uh, he, was a, he was an excellent player, good club man. And I mentioned there Dennis Moore. Dennis is an absolute legend for anyone who watched Dagnum. He started playing for Dagnum as a 16-year-old uh, and in the morning uh, he'd play for his Dagnum Grammar School, I believe, and then come on along and play for the Daggers. Uh, he played a total of 940 games for us. He played in all the four finals, 70, 71, 77 and 80. And when uh, we got to Wembley back in 97, he was the coach uh, to Ted Hardy. So, as you can see, uh, Dennis was Dagnum through and through. Uh, he also scored 113 goals for us, which is pretty good going for a, a central defender. He had a rocket shot on him, was very good at free kicks, which is, he got a lot of goals from that. Uh, he was good in the air. Uh, he also had a long throw. Uh, I remember the first year we got to... Uh, we got to uh, the final at, um, at uh, Wembley he employed his long throw several times and 
he was quite good. He also in those days, it was quite a good time-wasting tactic if it was up the other end because he would trot all the way from the back to take it. But Dennis was a good all-round player. His father, Dory Moore, and mother both also were involved at Dagenham. I think they used to do catering quite a lot of the time and sort all that out and were on the committees, etc. So Dennis was at Dagenham uh, through and through, so much so that Bill Bridges, uh, who was uh, an early committee member and founder of Dagenham, uh, and also the editor of the Barking Dagenham Post Sports Editor. He actually produced a, a book called Dennis of Dagenham. Uh, and in that, uh, if not before, uh, Bill actually coined the phrase, once a dagger, always a dagger. That was the first uh, time that was used, as far as I know. Uh, and that was um, that one of the reasons for that was uh, just the number of players that played so many games for Dagenham. We do have a, have a quite a good uh, history of longevity for players and players you know, keeping in touch with the club and coming back, which is, which is pretty good. And Dennis, uh, an absolute legend. Terry Scowles was a fullback we had, signed from Brentford uh, in 1977. Uh, I think he probably left the professional game too early. Maybe he just decided he wanted to go part-time and uh, get more of a work-life balance, perhaps, I don't know, or get a career sorted. But he was, he was an excellent left-back. Played for us for a number of years, played in the 80 final, was sub in the 77 final, played 354 games, very cultured, very left-footed player, uh, and uh, very hard to get round, uh, very solid, very good with a free kick as well, a bit of a curler over the wall. Uh, so Terry Scales is an excellent player. Mustn't forget John Still. He's known as um, uh, for all the stuff that he's done with Dagnum. Uh, as a manager, and all that, I don't need to go through all his achievements there. But he also played for us in the sort of 1968, 71-ish. Played 144 games, scored 15 goals. One of those goals was uh, in the uh, 1970 semi-final. Uh, we played St Albans at uh, Millwall, uh, and he, he scored our goal header from a corner. There's quite a good picture of that in the programme. Uh, John was a pretty commanding centre-half, a Ted Hardy man, obviously. And when Ted left us, he went with him and uh, played for him at um, Bishop's Dortford and Ilford and various other teams. Uh, again, John had a good career as a player at Dagenham. I even remember back in about 1969-70, I think we were possibly getting towards the end of the season and resting a few players for bigger games. And he had a spell playing up front. Uh, don't think it lasted very long, but he was certainly enthusiastic Possibly had the turning circle of a large uh, liner, but he was he wasn't too bad up front. He had he had a good touch for a big man, so that was John Still. Prior to John uh, being the Dagenham centre half, another big centre half, John Willingham, who played again a lot of games for the club over three hundred. He was a big centre half. Um, the year we won the London Senior, there's quite a nice picture of him holding that cup. Uh, he was um, uh, hard, good in the air, strong. Uh, unfortunately suffered a, a broken ankle or a broken leg um, and that sort of curtailed his career towards the late 60s and other players came in, he didn't quite make it back in the team but John Willingham was certainly uh, uh, of his day a very very good centre half as was Bert Ashman who was one of the early players when I saw start going in the, in the mid 60s big centre half, uh, very quite rugged, played 232 games I think possibly we got him from Somewhere like Hayes or Wembley, can't quite remember. But uh, Bert Ashman, again, a good club man, a good strong centre-half. Willie Curry, uh, that played in the trophy-winning team. He was a Scottish man, come down. No relation to Darren Curry. Played um, 
about over 100 games for the club. Did very well, another game, big, strong centre-half. We do seem to have had quite a lot of those, good to say. George Dudley was a, a left-back we had. He played a lot of seasons, probably 12 to 15 seasons, played over 700 games. Uh, he scored three goals in those 700 games, so he wasn't, wasn't prolific for a left-back. Uh, he used to make quite a few runs down the wing, and when he crossed it, we would generally expect that to go somewhere down the Berry Road or into Pomfield Park or over the sieve into the record factory. But that aside, he was a very good club man, very fit, played for year, played for let's say a number of years, um, and then came back with John Steele when John Steele was manager uh, and um, was coach to the side or fitness coach. He was again very good club man. Um, I remember. Uh, one thing about George, one game stands out in 1971, quarter-final of the trophy at home to Whitley Bay, who were quite a good team at the time from up north. north. And uh, we were one up with not that long to go in the last couple of minutes. And the last thing we wanted was a replay on the following Monday or Tuesday, whenever it would have been. Um, that would have been a very difficult game. And they had a corner and it came over and there was a header or something. It was going straight in the top corner and George Dudley appeared from nowhere and headed it out. So he obviously was quite good at heading, as um, another chap by the name of Tom Rivers, for the older supporters may remember, he used to run the coaches, and he was um, he had a entirely very good knowledge of games that he'd seen going right back in the day, and he used to we used to enjoy hearing him tell those stories. One of those was how he'd seen George Dudley uh, nearly score with a header from the halfway line against Epsom that the keeper had to tip over the bar. Not sure how accurate that memory that Tom had for that particular incident was, but... That was George for you. He could certainly head a ball. Phil Fry played against us in the 1970 Amateur Cup Final for Enfield and played for us the following year uh, in the Amateur Cup Final against Skelmersdale. Only played a couple of years for us, uh, but played 102 games. He was a very cultured, uh, very skillful, very hard left-footed player. Phil Fry, I always remember him as a good player. I'm not quite sure why he left the club, but he was uh, certainly a loss. Brian Smith was a very versatile defender we had. Could also play midfield, right back, left back, anywhere on midfield. Uh, played 247 games for us. Scored 13 goals. One of the goals I remember was not spectacular, was not even important in the, in the sense it got us to a cup final or anything like that. But we played Hayes at home. Um, we were two down, pretty nondescript game. Got a goal back 2-1. Uh, it wasn't long to go, and Brian, playing left-back, I think, that day, had a shot from about 30 yards that never got off the ground, was trickling along the ground. Uh, and the goalkeeper, a chap by the name of Langley, I think, he um, he saw it coming, and he could wait to pick it up virtually. And uh, assuming it was going to go past the post for a goal kick, he stood there with his hand on the post and sort of waving it by, as you might do. And, of course, he made a bit of a misjudgment and he just let it go in the net for no reason. And uh, they were a little bit disappointed, it's fair to say. And it was hilariously funny, even funnier, that he then laid on the ground and was beating it with all fours. He was so disappointed. I uh, can't say I felt that bad for him that day because I've always remembered it, and it still makes me laugh just remembering it. That was Brian. He was another Ted Hardy player as such. Uh, played for him at Leighton, and uh, Ted obviously had a lot of faith in him. Uh, he was a good player, Brian very versatile, as was Jimmy Lyre, who we took from Barnet when he was already had forged a good career at Barnet and played, I think, at Wembley for them and a lot of games. Uh, and even though he was probably getting towards the 
veteran stage when he came to us, played for us for five seasons, scored 173 goals. Jimmy Lyon was a very, very sound fullback. Didn't often have a bad game or, or put no, no, put wrong foot forward. Uh, Peter Wellman was another uh, fullback we had, played for us at Wembley in uh, in the trophy final. Uh, I think we got him from somewhere like um, Canvey, played for us for a number of years, 271 games. Again, very solid. Used to take a come up and take a long throw. Uh, he was even very good. Trevor Blackton, uh, when the teams of 70 and 71 um, had left, basically, and Ted Hardy had left, and Laurie Wilkinson took over, it was a bit of a rebuilding job, and we'd lost um, uh, good centre-halves. Uh, Trevor Blackton came in, I think, possibly from Lewis. Uh, played for us uh, for quite a few years, over well over 100 games. Uh, very good, very sound, very quite a hard player, very committed, uh, and never let us down, that's for sure. Uh, a couple of right backs to finish. Doug Robertson uh, played for us for a number of years, nearly 200 games. Um, and when he retired, he, he carried on working around the club uh, on the committee and everything. And the Joe Dunwell testimonial match in 85, it says on the, on the programme note that it's all organised by Doug Robertson. He did lots around the club. Um, and uh, sadly, he passed away at a relatively young age. But again, Doug was a good little player, nuggety little fullback. Uh, and, and again, a good club man seems to be a recurring theme quite often. Uh, and finally, Roger Wade, right back. Again, another ex-Enfield player. Um, he played for us uh, for 177 games over four seasons. And uh, he was, again, very good player. Very Not the biggest, but quite tough, good tackler, got up and down. So Roger, another one of the Enfield contingent that uh, did pretty well for us. So there, there's about 20-odd defenders to think about. Moving on to midfielders, again a good selection of uh, players who played for us and some of them again a recurring theme have played a lot of games for us. I'll start with uh, Derek Baker, um, he played for us, we signed him from Barking, he had a good reputation at Barking, uh, he played uh, 113 games for us, he was um, a very lively player, had a bit of an edge to him. Uh, he scored the, the winning goal the year we got to Wembley in 71. Uh, the replay against Slough at Fulham, he got the winning goal. Uh, funnily enough, probably one of the worst goals he's ever scored. Complete enough to miss it, trickled it on the ground and uh, went through the goalkeeper's legs. And it's fair to say he, he gave him a bit of stick as he was celebrating. But again, Derek was a very good player. Um, went on to play for Hendon, among other clubs, after he left us. Um, and I think uh, the year Hendon had a magnificent cup run, FA Cup, and drew or yeah, drew with Newcastle away. I think he played in that game uh, and other games he played with Enfield. He was he was a good all-round player. Uh, he still must live locally because if you want to have a chat with Derek and you think you could recognise him, you can often find him in Tesco's at Romeo Corner. Uh, I often seem to find myself in the uh, same uh, aisle as him for some reason. But yeah, that's Derek Baker. He was a good player. As was Brian Barber back in the mid to early 60s, little inside forward, ginger-haired, uh, played 253 games for the club and scored 115 goals. And what you wouldn't give for that sort of uh, midfield return, that's pretty amazing, one in two, as good as. Brian Barber was a good little player, tricky little player. John Borland was a player we signed in the uh, about 1974. My guess would be that uh, he'd played for Middlesex Wanderers uh, Middlesex Wanderers were an invitational team and 
I think they're still going to this day, but back in those days, it was quite prestigious to be picked for their end of season tour, and they had quite a good reputation worldwide. And Laurie Wilkinson, who was our manager, uh, was involved with them, and I think he probably took quite, a, you know, managed them on quite a few occasions. As I say, an invitational side, so the players for the tour would be drawn from all around the country, including Scotland and North. And John Borland, I think we signed from Queen's Park, and my guess is that would be the connection to Laurie Wilkinson finding him and asking him to come and play for Dagenham. He was a little tiny player relatively, played in midfield, very good on the ball, didn't mind holding it, always wanted to find a player. Uh, I think he had a bit of a love-hate relationship with the Dagenham fans in the sense that he would sometimes get caught in possession just purely because he was normally trying to be creative with the ball. Uh, but I certainly was a huge fan. Uh, he missed, unfortunately, the trophy final in 77 because he'd been injured earlier in the season. That was a shame because he well deserved it because he played for us for quite a while. He carried on playing with other clubs and played for Ted at Enfield and I think Leytonstone. Uh, so Ted obviously had uh, quite a high regard for him. But he ended up playing 347 games for us and uh, he still must live locally because I've, I've seen him over the, over the games quite often. Um, comes in, he stands in the sieve. Uh, Johnny Daniels, a good club man we had, played for us in the 70 uh, Amateur Cup final, played a lot of games for us in the in the 60s uh, to around about 70, 71, 274 games. He was pretty hard, very workmanlike, full-back or midfielder. Uh, unfortunately, I think he passed away uh, within the last year or so. But again, Johnny Daniels, good club man. Roy Drake was already very experienced uh, when he signed for us. And he'd certainly been a top non-league player. I think he played for Barnet, possibly Hendon, but he he played for some good non-league clubs. Came to us later in his career, and he actually played more games than I thought. He played 158 games, but one of Ted's earliest signings, and we did well to get Roy. Played for us in the 70 Cup final uh, at Wembley. Uh, good player. One other thing I remember, not so savoury perhaps, we played Maidenhead United at home, I reckon 68-69 nondescript game but I do remember him uh, managing to put ghost studs up on the keeper so he was quite hard quite a hard player it's fair to say wouldn't get away with it now and uh, getting him in the crown jaws and the keeper laying on the ground screaming and it was obviously a foul and the ref telling him to get up and play on uh, the keeper's name was I think Bernie O'Mahony again it's funny how you remember these things from back in your childhood but that one always comes to mind Ronnie Francis a player that Ted signed from not quite sure where. It wasn't an established club, I suspect. Uh, he was a maverick player, tall, leggy, fast, winger, midfielder, up front. Uh, he was. Uh, he never quite knew. I don't think Ronnie knew what he was going to do next. So opponents certainly didn't. And uh, I recall that going to games in the in the Alliance in the mid eighties, especially up north for some reason, he would get kicked to bits and not get much protection from the referee. He only played ninety seven games for the club. Again, injury curtailed his career. I've got a feeling he possibly damaged his leg in a trophy fight semi-final at home against Northwich when he basically got crunched into the wall. I'm not sure if that was the injury that did it, but certainly injury did curtail his career, which was a shame because he was a, he was a spectacularly talented player who could definitely have played longer and at a higher level. Kenny Gray had had a stellar uh, non-league career with, with Leytonstone, particularly when Leytonstone was the dominant team in the country. Uh, they'd won everything, including, I think, the European Amateur Cup, which I think was played for one year. So he'd pretty much done everything. So again, we got him later in his career, but he was still an excellent player. He's played 137 games for us, 
53 goals. Again, unfortunately suffered a knee injury playing for us. I think it was against Cheshunt, uh, maybe. Uh, and um, it, it, he did come back from it, but he wasn't quite the same player. And I think it probably made, made his career a little bit shorter. But Kenny Gray, uh, again, you'd, he'd have to be in any discussion. He was, a, he was a very talented player. Peter Leakey was another Ted Hardy man. Played for him at Leighton, at Bishop Stortford. Played for Dagenham. Uh, again, good club man, 258 games, 64 goals. Uh, played in the the, um, the the amateur cup team, the final teams, uh, when we beat um, Slough at uh, Fulham in the replay uh, for the 71, he scored um, the first goal. Again, that, that match was featured on the big match. Uh, little highlights they showed on the Sunday afternoon. And I think that was the first time I ever saw Dagnum on television. That was fantastic. <laughs> you just think, well, I'm Dagnum on television. Nowadays, of course... With all the number of streaming platforms and everything, it's not quite so quite so rare. But um, he was he was a great player. Peter also scored the, the winner in the semi final in 1970 when uh, Tony Bass knocked one down and he smashed it in from the edge of the box and that took us through one nil. Uh, that was uh, again so Peter had a bit of a reputation and goals at the right time. Dave Morris was a midfielder we had played 144 games for us back in the early Ted days. Left footed. Uh, probably our first ever big FA Cup uh, victory, or not wasn't a victory, our first FA Cup result, shall we say, was when we drew one all at Reading in 1967-68 round. Uh, Dave Morris scored the goal, good player. Fred Pudney was a player, played 156 games for us. Again, good ball play midfield in the mid to late 60s. Uh, again, uh, Ted had him playing when he first started. Uh, played all those games for us. We signed him from uh, Wembley and, uh, he was, again, a good player, very useful on the ball, scored a few goals. A player we only had for, for one season was uh, Eddie Steen, who, uh, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, uh, in forwards, Mark Steen, who Eddie was Mark's brother. Yeah, I was very pleased when we got him from Harrow Borough. He was obviously a good player. He played one of the early Alliance seasons for us, but only played one season. Not quite sure why that was, but just on, on ability alone, if not longevity, he was well worth uh, mentioning. George Brooks was a winger. Uh, George played for us for a number of years, uh, had a couple of spells with us, and ended up playing 402 games, 123 goals. So, again, a good little average for a sort of a, a winger come midfielder, left-footed, quite tricky. Scored a number of important goals for us. Scored the goal in the 70 um, Amateur Cup final when we lost 5-1 to a rather strong Enfield side. But the game I remember was we played... Romford away in an FA Cup qualifying uh, match around about 1968 and in those days Romford were not just the top local dogs had the big ground at Brooklands uh, but they were they'd been Southern League champions uh, not too many seasons a couple of seasons before and they still had aspirations being as a, being a pretty big club and we went there as the new upstarts on the block just making a name for ourselves and won 2-1 and uh, George scored the winner with an overhead kick uh, I will remember that. That was a good day. Barry Davidson was a midfielder that Ted brought to the club in 71-ish. Played for us for quite a while. He was strong running. Always gave a, a good account of himself. Could play full-back or right-hand side midfield. And uh, he was a good player. Played for us at Wembley. Uh, Steve Jones was a winger we had. Only played for us for two seasons, 109 games. He was the son of Cliff Jones, the absolutely legendary uh, Spurs winger. And Steve Jones was also, like Cliff, quite slight, quite fast, very skillful, could get to the byline and sling a good cross in. Uh, and um, he, was, he was a good player, got the winner's medal with us in 1980. 
Uh, he was actually on a recent uh, episode of Pointless. That was uh, quite good to see him on there. He didn't give himself. He talked about his dad on there and um, gave his dad lots of uh, mentions and praise. Didn't say about enough about his own career because he had a good non-league career as well. Brian Roach, Roach was a, uh, a winger in the 60s, played uh, 150-odd games for us. Uh, he's the first player I ever saw do a step-over. He would do a step-over, the right foot over the ball, and then push it with his left and just hurtle down the wing and lob it in. And I always remember Brian for that. That was only one trick I can remember he had, but he used to do it a lot to good effect. Martin Smith was a player that Ted liked, had him within a number of clubs, a midfielder, not the fastest, uh, but very hard, very solid. And uh, if you're talking a defensive midfielder, Martin Smith was probably your man, and he had a bit of a, a hardness about him as well. I remember, we again, we played Romford away, uh, and uh, Alan Seeley was playing for Romford. And within two or three years before that, he'd been playing for West Ham at Wembley when they'd won the European Cup Winners' Cup in front of 100,000. And now he was playing for uh, Romford. I think he broke his leg at West Ham, so his career went downhill a little bit quicker than it might have done. And Martin Smith basically booted him over the stand at uh, Romford. Uh, it was not, not the best tackle, even I'd be prepared to say that. And uh, I remember thinking, hmm, what, what you must be thinking. A couple of years ago, he's playing at Wembley and getting a winner's medal, and now he's being booted over the main stand at Romford. But that was Martin. He didn't care. Joe Dunwell an absolute legend for the club played for us for probably again 12 to 15 seasons 612 games scored 156 goals we signed him from uh, tilbury uh, he had a testimonial for us in 1985 uh, when we played man united at home he played for us um, in the uh, in trophy winning finals and losing finals uh, and again, fantastic player from midfield. He could play midfield. He could probably play up front, right-hand side, down the middle. I suspect he probably even played at the back. He was very versatile, very big, very strong. Unfortunately, he got a back injury towards the end of his career, which I think curtailed his career with us to be, uh, to be quite such a force. But it didn't stop him playing. And Joe was an absolute uh, legend of the club. And uh, one of the, I'd definitely say one of the, the best all-round players I've seen over there. Ronnie Howell, we had for a short time. Again, he played for Enfield. He was a bit of a jack the lad, uh, a bit of a full of smart ass, always on at the refs and other players, the sort of players you'd love to uh, have in your team but hate to see playing against you. But again, he was a good little player. He'd uh, played for Brighton when they were briefly managed by Brian Clough and um, he'd scored a hat trick. And of course, Brian Clough, being uh, the sort of uh, individual thinker that he was, had dropped him for the next game. So he ended up drifting into non league. Uh, Ended up playing for us and played for Tooting, I think, and Enfield. He was a, he was a good player, a bit of a wind-up merchant, but a good player. We had Frank Saul play for us. Now, Frank, in 67, had played for Tottenham in the FA Cup final against Chelsea and had a pretty successful, uh, well, a very successful professional career. And then in 77, so just 10 years later, he played for us in the trophy final. Again, good man, played for us for a couple of, two or three years uh, and did quite well for us. You could see he had a bit of pedigree about him. Tony Rosethorn was another player that I suspect we may have um, got through our connection with Laurie Wilkinson and Middlesex Wanderers. He was a, a player from up north. I can't remember what club he played for, but sort of in the in the Blythe Spartans, Whitby, northern sort of area. Uh, and he came down to play play for Dagenham for a couple of years. A very cultured defender, midfielder. 
and uh, I think we, if I remember rightly, we got him a job at Mayan Baker's. I think he was a chemist, so it sort of worked out. We sort of fixed him up, and he came and played for us. Tony Rosethorn was a good player, as was John Bailey, a little winger, played for us in the late 80s when we weren't uh, necessarily at the top of our, our game. Uh, and he, he was one of our standout players, ended up going to play professionally for Bournemouth, played 150 games for us and had a good uh, non-league career, a good uh, professional career as well. Jimmy Holder, uh, we signed, I think, from Averley, and he ended up playing for us for a number of years. He was at a winger or a midfielder, played 513 games for us, 110 goals, and uh, he had a power shot on him. He knew if he was bearing down on the goal, and he got anywhere near the just outside or the edge of the area, he was going to blast it, and he scored a number of spectacular goals. He just he just had a hammer of a foot. Versatile player as well, and also the sort of player you'd always get a good game out of. So that was Jimmy Holder. And finally, Steve Scott. Again, he'd played for Enfield, but ended up playing for Dagenham. Played for a lot of a lot of years, 259 games. And again, he didn't play when we were probably one of the top sides around, but he he always did very well for us. So that was uh, Steve Scott. So that's the end of the midfielders. I hope there's some names to remember there. Moving on to forwards now, I'll start with one of the first ones I can remember. Joe Joe Adams. Uh, played for us in the in the mid sixties. He was uh, it was as soon as he played, you could see he was a good player, and he didn't stay with us very long. He went to Enfield uh, in those days. I'm sure Enfield, even though uh, you're not allowed to say it, because it was all an amateur game, were able to offer him a few more incentives. Uh, he was non-league international with them, uh, and uh, he played. He was a very good player, Joe. One of the first good players forwards I can remember at, at the Daggers. Uh, Tony Bass, we had uh, played for us from the late late 60s through to the 70s and had other spells with us uh, played 178 game games for us 80 goals played for us at Wembley in 71 would have played in 1970 but uh, missed the game because he had I think a broken ankle which I think he suffered when he won a header landed badly the header landed for Peter Leakey who smashed it in I think so that was sort of unfortunate he, he made the goal that got us there but was unable to play in the actual game uh, Tony Bass he was Tall, very good in the air. Uh, his father, I think, was Charlie Bass, who definitely was a Dagenham fan. Uh, so maybe that's why he came to us in the first place. And you still occasionally see Tony Bass at games now. Uh, so Tony Bass was, was a good player. As was John Deere, left-footed um, uh, forward, uh, very skillful, not the fastest, but quite good in the air. Uh, as I said, a good left foot. He could curl the ball around. Again, the Ted player, played for him at uh, other clubs, had more than one spell with us. Uh, ended up playing 235 games, 80, 80 goals played at Wembley 71. Uh, and uh, again, John Johnny Deere was a good player. Neville Fox uh, played for Barking back in the day, back in the uh, sort of um, mid-70s, early 70s, when Barking were, were a pretty good side. Uh, they were, we had quite a good rivalry with them. The year, we, uh, the year we first got to Wembley, in fact, we played them in one of the early rounds of the Amateur Cup. And um, drew at Dagenham and won the replay at Barking. And for those of you who remember Barking's old ground near the railway tracks, it was absolutely packed solid. It was a, I don't know what the actual crowd was, but it was a full house. That Dagenham Barking those days was a big rivalry. And we used to hate Neville Fox because he was a big centre forward for Barking. Of course, then he joined the Daggers and we loved him. Ended up playing for us in 1977 uh, in the Wembley final and ended up playing 384 games and 148 goals. Uh, so Big Nev, he was he was a good player. 
Peter Green was a forward late 60s for us. Um, uh, Ted signed him, and I think I've said it before in previous um, episodes or podcasts, uh, probably one of my favourite players at Dagenham. Very skillful, used to like winding up the opposition, scored one of the most unusual goals I've ever scored against, uh, I've ever seen scored against Grays at home when he um, dribbled it from the halfway line when they hadn't taken a free kick that they were getting and just pretended that they had walked through with it, went round the keeper who didn't make any effort and smashed it in and the ref gave a goal, which was it never was a goal, but that was Peter. He'd do things like that. Played for the non-league team, the England non-league team and the Olympic team. He was a good goal scorer in the 67-68 season that I mentioned earlier. Uh, where we played all those uh, those number of games. He actually played uh, 62 games in, in that season himself and scored 47 goals, a return anyone would be proud of. But having said that, the next player, Mel Harkins, uh, who we signed from Tilbury, he actually surpassed that. He was a, he was a winger, come goal scorer, had a habit of um, falling down quite easily in the penalty area and letting out a... Ah! As he did, and the refs quite often gave penalties, so he did get penalties. But uh, he was a natural goal scorer as well, and he played three hundred and forty-four games for us, scored one hundred and ninety-three goals. Uh, and as I said, Peter, now well, I mentioned just now, scored forty-seven goals in sixty-two games. Well, in one season, Mel Harkins scored sixty-five goals, and if I ever live to see that being beaten, I'm pretty sure if we any player does that for us any season, we'll win whatever league we're in because that's an incredible statistic. Uh, I'm going to mention three forwards now with the same name, Dave Harris, Reg Harris and Terry Harris. Dave Harris was a big forward, uh, played for us uh, when I first started going back in the early 60s. He was he was just a big chap, had a big presence and a natural eye for goal. Played 210 games for us and scored 174 goals. Again, that sort of return, you just die for that these days. Reggie Harris... 155 games, 61 goals. He was signed after we played in a five-a-side competition at um, the Dagenham Town Show. Um, we sent in a team and we played against another team. I can't remember who, who they were from, but it was like a works team. Uh, and Reggie Harris was playing uh, for them. And we obviously liked what we saw, invited him over for a trial. And the rest is history. He played for us for a number of years and some other local teams. He was, he was, a, he was a good player, Reggie. Again, very skillful. Not the slight, it's quite slight, but we'll take players on and you know, a bit of the unusual about him. Uh, for those just remembering old names, there was a, a supporter we had back in around about this time called Jim Bailey. He was a bit of a local uh, celebrity. Uh, he'd a residence association, uh, councillors, and he was quite often in the local paper. He was a leading light in the Burma Star Association. And he used to follow Dagenham everywhere with his sons. Uh, and... Uh, Reggie Harris was his favourite player and he always, always used to be cheering on Reggie. Um, we always remember Jim because he would always be the first to give referees a lot of stick if he thought they deserved it. And basically his one thing that he always had uh, to shout out if uh, the ref didn't go the way he thought he should, i.e. towards Dagenham, he would call him a bent bugger. And he basically used to shout out, you bent bugger. I probably didn't do a good interpretation of that, but uh, that was in essence what he did, and that was Jim Bailey. I hope that might uh, ring a few bells for the older supporter, uh, but Reggie Harris was his favourite player. And then it leaves Terry Harris. Uh, Terry played for us for a number of years, scored the goal in the 77 uh, final at Wembley when we lost to Scarborough, played 120 games, 41 goals, 
So I had a good career with us and went on to play for other teams, including Sutton uh, and other local teams. Uh, but he's also best remembered for the sterling work he's done. He's been back at the Daggers for a number of years, on and off, and he's still coaching to this day. Uh, I think he's at Maidstone currently. But again, a loyal, loyal clubman and obviously a well-respected coach. Ricky Kidd, a player we signed from Sutton, uh, played for us for about three or four seasons, uh, played in the, uh, the winning uh, trophy side of 1980 and scored a lot of goals. Didn't score in the final, but scored a lot of goals in the run-up to it and formed a, a good partnership with George with George Duck. Uh, Ricky uh, scored 102 goals for us in 187 games, so again, had a very good um, goals-to-game ratio as did George Duck for us. Uh, for us, He, as I just said, scored in the final at Wembley against Mosley, part of our win. Eddie Preston signed us for him in beginning of 1979. Uh, and um, uh, we played Wildstone away recently on, in the National League. And you, if you watch the stream, the, the uh, commentator, the supporting commentator, was in fact George Duck. And he spoke very fondly of his time at Dagenham and how he'd signed for them, purely because Eddie Preston had convinced him if he went there, he could get a trophy winner medal at Wembley. So that's why he went, because he was actually a Wildstone man. And he went back there afterwards and he's, he holds all the Wildstone goals records. But he actually um, he actually did very well for us while he played for us. Uh, Chrissy Maycock played in that trophy final. He was a sort of amazing forward winger. Never quite knew what he was going to do. Just put his head down and go on a big long dribble, which is exactly what he did in the final. And that turned out to be the winner and we won 2-1. Uh, there's not much footage of that final available, but I have got a, a CD um, that was produced, I think, by Look North or some TV programme from the Mosley Way, where they, they did a, a whole feature on Mosley's day at Wembley, and they feature a couple of minutes of the game, and they got the goal on it, and that's exactly how Chrissy Maycock scored it, just head down, kept on going, and, and just managed to slot it home. So Chrissy Maycock played 209 games for the club and 50-odd goals. Peter Burton was a big forward we had, again, ex-Barking. Uh, used to go for every cross, used to take the, the ball, the net, the goalkeeper in with him. Uh, probably wouldn't get away with uh, being quite so rugged nowadays as he was then. But Peter was a, a big centre forward, did well for us. Billy Lansdowne was another forward we had. And uh, we, had, we got him on loan. I think he played in Sweden and we used to get him on loan for two or three seasons. He'd come back and help us out. He was a very skillful player. It was a pity we couldn't have longer more of him. The year we won at um, Swindon in a in a FA Cup replay, he played around that time and a, a good player he was. I think, uh, yeah, he did. He also played against Peterborough in the FA Cup and uh, a player I enjoyed watching, Billy Lansdowne, quite underrated. Uh, as was Les Witten, who was a little goal scorer we had. I think he scored the winner against Swindon, in fact, but scored a few goals for us. He was the brother of um, Steve Witten, who played for West Ham and Coventry, I think, and Norwich and a few other teams. Um, but uh, Les Witten was a little tiny forward, natural goal scorer, a bit of a poacher, did well for us. Uh, and the last one I'm going to mention, uh, Leo Fortune West. Uh, I think he's worth mentioning because in our last home game as Dagnum, he scored five goals in one game, in the very last uh, game. And he went on to have quite a good professional career with Gillingham and other teams. So that was uh, Leo Fortune West to finish off my forwards. As I said at the beginning, I didn't watch Dagenham, obviously, from 1949 or through the 50s, too young. But just from looking at the records, I can see that we had uh, a number of players that I could have included just from looking at their longevity and what they obviously did for the club. 
so just a few names just to uh, remind older supporters of Jack Creswell, Eddie Curley, Joe Constable, Harold Brooks, Billy Bridge, Kenny Gibson, Derek Gower, Larry Hudson, Bob Skinner, uh, Bob Knight and Harry Warrior. All names that uh, may resonate with the very old supporter. So the final bit of this segment where I have all those players I've just tried to briefly talk about there. Uh, I've got to pick the 15 that are going to be my Dagenham 11 Fantasy League team. And here they are. Two goalkeepers are going to be Ian Hutley and Terry Moore. My back five, John Ford, Dennis Moore, Nicky Bissett, Tommy Horan and Terry Scales. My five in midfield, Johnny Borland, Peter Leakey, Jimmy Holder, Joe Dunwell and Ronnie Francis. And up front, Mal Harkins, Peter Green and Ricky Kidd. Now, there's a lot of good players there and some that I've missed out. That was very difficult to pick my best ones there and I'll probably pick them for different reasons. Uh, I don't suppose many people would have uh, all of those, but they're my ones and I hope you enjoyed listening to that. And uh, just go through to the final segment now and you'll find out my final 11, the 11. So, decision time for the actual match out of the 30 players I picked. Uh, who are going to be the final 22-11 aside. Winner takes all, playing in a 4-3-3 formation, both sides. Uh, this is my final team, the Dagnum team. In goal, Ian Hutley. A back four, John Ford, Dennis Moore, Tommy Horan, Terry Scales. Midfield, John Borland, Jimmy Holder, Joe Dunwell. And up front, Mel Harkins, Peter Green and Ricky Kidd. The Dagenham Redbridge team, again, 4-3-3. In goal, Tony Roberts. Back four, Mark Smith, Steve Connor, Lee Matthews and Scotty Griffiths. Midfield, Mark Janney, Roman Vancelo, Angelo Belanta. And up front, Benson, Mark Steen and Paul Cavell. There your sides. I think there'll be goals in that game. I think that'd be entertaining. It's a shame it's a game we'll never see, but we can imagine. I hope you've enjoyed reminiscing about all the players that have played for our favourite club, the Daggers. Unfortunately, when recording this, uh, with no one there to correct me, and doing it from pretty much unscripted and just talking off the top of my head, uh, a couple of times uh, I do make some errors that I just noticed when I played it back. Jimmy Lyon didn't score 173 goals for us. He did play 173 games. And Blythe Spartans didn't lose to Swansea. They lost to Wrexham, which I'd already said. There's probably a couple of other little faux pas on my part and maybe just some errors of memory. But um, that's just a couple that I noticed. But anyway, I hope you still enjoy the, uh, the podcast. And any feedback you've got, I'd love to hear it.